Coming up on the Telling the Odds podcast, Mark Hamill spills the beans in his secret Star Wars cameo, we talk about the one Jedi who could have stopped Palpatine, and we revisit Attack of the Clones? Yay? All that and more coming up now. who listen to podcasts and own technology. This is Telling the Odds, episode six. What are we called this time, Michael? Uh, Return of the... Return of the podcast. Return of the podcast. There we go. Yes, hopefully Uh, it's just as good as the last one. Yes. Except hopefully we won't have a big 30-minute middle part where we talk about Jawas for a bit. Hell yeah. No, not Jawas. Ewoks for a bit. (laughs) Episode uh, six, June 28th. How's your week been, Michael? Yeah, yeah, good. Just uh, not too much. Not too much going on. In the world, really? I yeah. don't think anything. No, not really. No. Yeah, not only th- Star Wars. That's yes. the only thing that exists right There's now. There's totally nothing else that's like you know affecting the world as we know it today. Um, no, the world <laughs> just simply stops existing until the Star Wars news comes, and exactly. then everyone starts talking again. I was just talking to you about um, something that I've been doing that's kind of Star Wars based and kind of cool this week. Is uh, mm. um, it's been pushed back, but uh, Melbourne Comic Con, which I always like to go to, Ooh. I've been making a Bel- I've been making a Boba Fett costume. And I just finished the Blaster, and I'm very happy with it. Um, So that's what my week has been Star Wars-wise. And, I mean, I'm on holidays now, so I haven't really been doing much. I've been enjoying doing nothing. But uh, Have you been enjoying doing nothing with lots of Star Wars? Hell yeah. I've been watching... Because, like I said, something that I like to do when I'm working or having to make something uh, is put on something that I've seen thousands of times uh, so I can just have it on in the background. So I've been watching Clone Wars. Yeah. uh, Because I started Season 1 when I was actually doing proper... (laughs) <laughs> like <laughs> academic work and now I'm just doing other stuff like making the Boba Fett armor so yeah, yeah. if you start it you need to finish it for sure exactly and, and you've got a lot to go through how many episodes are there in total? oh well seven seasons yeah seven it's, eight, and five tw- five of them have 20 well, plus the others have like 16 and then couple 13 hundred, couple hundred anyway uh, we've got a good show for you guys yeah. coming up today there's not a lot of Let's just um, jump right into again, it again we're going to be this is a very chill episode we're going to enjoy uh, talking about some Maybe very chill for the stuff. opening part we'll see if that maintains when we get to our review of uh, Take of the Clones yes because as you guys uh, if you guys saw in the title our Skywalker Saga retrospective is continuing from a couple mm. weeks ago when we did Phantom Menace and now we are doing Attack of the Clones. Yeah, it's going to be very fun. Should exciting. be very fun. We've got a lot to talk about. Okay. Uh, but first, uh, we've got a cool uh, little thing that was released today by Mark Hamill himself on his Instagram yes. about the secret cameos that he's been a part of after the prequel. He's not in the prequels, but he's been basically every other Star Wars movie. Yes. Not as Luke Skywalker, as a voice that you might not know because he doesn't use his name as a credit, you know, when the Title when the when the credits roll was it was it Patrick D Williams or uh, Patrick B Williams or something like that I think I searched it up and it was like he said it was a combination of his brother's name yes that's right yep. I think uh, I remember it was something around, like his brother or his son I can't remember yep. uh, yeah so um, yeah he's so, pulled the rug over our, over all of our eyes he's like haha I was all of these characters yeah um, and everyone's mad and madly scrambling to find like who was he yeah and uh, I knew a couple of them I didn't know. Because okay, uh, I didn't know a couple of the other ones. Yes. I knew that he was uh, Bulio, the win yes. the war guy from Rise of Skywalker. I know him from Battlefront 2 because he's got yeah. the mini I didn't know that he was, firstly, the cantina owner droid from the fifth episode of The Mandalorian. Yep, we found when that he's like, hey, hun- I'm a hunter. I'm looking for some work. 
and that mm. droid, he sort of looks like that uh, that droid that was on uh, Jabba's sail barge. I think they confirmed it was him. Yeah, well, because I, th- I think that's you know what, what that because Dave Filoni was I like it wasn't the sail barge; it was in the Powerless with that's the droids true. with the yeah. droid works. Because it would have made sense that that droid never got off yeah, Tatooine it was on Tatooine. So I think they implied that that was the same droid. That would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was Mark Hamill as well. Another guy who was uh, Mark Hamill, which is it's harder to tell because this character never speaks; he just stutters and burps. Oh, that's <laughs> is, great. Uh, in episode eight, yeah, yeah. in episode eight, he is, this is a real name by real people, uh, Dobuske. His name is Dobuske. He's the, ti- he's, yeah. the t- he's the tiny little CGI goblin thing that, oh, tri- that, that tries, tries to, to put the, the money inside BBA. That tries to stick coins into BBA's oh, little thing. So funny and then he scene. burps in his face and yeah. for some reason and oh. then he like celebrates well, when it I all comes out of Well, I think they're implying he was like kind of had already yet, you know, downed a few because like yeah exactly he, he, like trying to like put him in as like he's a slot machine so he Today, wasn't in uh, his right mind hey, hey Mark we've got this character we'd really like you to voice <laughs> just as a secret cameo goblin. we'd like you to play a drunk goblin <laughs> <laughs> oh that's great yeah uh, yeah so he's that he's the cantina droid in Mandalorian he's mm. Bulio in Rise of Skywalker he's Darth Bane in Clone Wars I did know this one I think so as well. I he's Darth. He's Darth Bane in uh, that arc, yeah. that Yoda's arc in season six yeah, when where, he goes on that stuff. when he goes on that epic uh, Force adventure mm, yeah. uh, where he first goes to Dagobah was and that stuff. Actually, Darth Bane, or was it just like a Sidious Force protector? No, it was. It wasn't actually Darth Bane. It was. Yeah. It was like because he goes to um, uh, Moraband, the yeah. home of the Sith, and he meets these spirits who are telling yes. him that yeah, whatever. And then he has that, but like a confirmed. Darth and then Bane he has that. Canon, so yeah, and then he has that dreamscape where he fights Sidious and. Yep. Yeah, whatever. And These are so, interesting episodes. Uh, he's an additional voice in Force Awakens that has not been revealed. Yeah, I but didn't I, know But that. I tried to think, who do you, who could it be? Because who could it be? I'm trying to... Because you don't actually hear a lot of, like, you know, uh, very abstract aliens speak. It's always a lot of grunting and... Because I was because I was thinking there's that huge guy that that huge yellow guy that's yep. got a bunch that's got uh, these huge tusks on his face. Oh yes, yeah. When they go to Mars Kanata's bar, yeah, but I thought he never speaks; he just grunts. Oh yeah. No, so I'm I'm trying to think of who else it was. We, we can think about we can think yeah. about that while we keep I going. I could be one of the resistance aliens. Like there's a couple on there that I don't know if they say anything. Oh yeah, but maybe. Like, like there's one that like is an engineer or something. Oh, there's that. There's um I can't remember his name because it's an alien name, but it's that guy who. I think he, I think he goes down in his X-wing in the Battle of the Circular Base, but he goes like, oh, because it's that alien guy, right? Yes, and he's like, I'm hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That could have been the new species uh, that was introduced. He was a pilot. Yeah, I know yeah, him. I'm not that could have, sure. that could have been Mark Hamill. Could have been. Who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> uh, and he was an unknown voice in both Rogue One and Solo. Yeah. Um, Again, that would have been no idea. You know, he might. You know who he might have been in Rogue One? Yeah. That um, that space monkey who comes down onto the beach with the rest of the rebels oh, when they um, arrive. Oh. Uh, Bin Tan. Oh, I I know his name. Yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue too. It's Bin, Bin something. Bin Tan. He's he's the one who screams ATAT when the ATATs arrive. Yes. Uh, that could have been Mark Hamill. Who knows? It starts with a B. And yeah. Solo. God, who knows? I haven't even seen Solo that many times. Oh, how many times have I seen Solo? I think I've seen. I saw it obviously once in the cinema, yeah, and I've seen it. I've seen it once after. I've seen it three times. I've seen it twice. I think. Cool. Uh, so yeah, that's um. Yeah kind of cool i understand why he's a very talented voice actor i mean he's like he's been, been doing voice acting like probably more than he does acting he's so. been the joker yeah, he's, joker. he's 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 he possibly voices, one of the best um, jokers the fire lord in avatar yes he does yeah. it's true he voices, he does a bunch of crazy like things if you actually like check what he's done yeah so he's a very talented voice actor alongside playing luke skywalker so yeah uh, I think it's so, great that they like used his talents to like also play a bunch of fun characters yeah that's really cool um because I certainly didn't notice that he was the cantina droid in Mandalorian. Because they alter Me his neither. voice clearly. 
when, as soon as I heard him speak in Rise of Skywalker when he's that guy who like delivers right. the information to them, yeah, yeah. I instantly knew that was Mark Hamill because they don't change his voice a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's a slight intonation to it and it, they, they sort of like, you know, change it to make it sound a little bit deeper. Maybe that guy was a huge Luke Skywalker fan for him so he based his voice off him or something. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that is... Um, Mark, thank you, Mark Hamill, for gracing your voice yeah. with all these beautiful You've films. Given the internet lots of things to look for and have fun with Lisa Rex. So. Yeah, I will, I will have to look at it throughout the week and see if we can report yes, back if next we week. If we find any more extra ones, we'll make sure to let all our listeners know. Yeah, um, I wonder if he was anyone in Rebels. I mean, yeah, because I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he was. It would, it, it would take you a long time to go through there's Rebels. There's a number of well-known four Re- seasons. Well, yeah, there's well no- number of well-known actors in Rebels. Yeah, well, because Frank Oz shows up as Yoda. Yeah, so... and then, of course, James L. Jones is back as Vader. Yes. And <laughs> are we going to mention it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, and then, of course, uh, as the Inquisitor, you've got... Uh... Oh, God, Jason Isaacs. <laughs> so... Wait, Michael texted me, like, two <laughs> weeks ago, not <laughs> even two weeks ago, when we were talking on, like, one of our first episodes, hey, how cool would it have been to see someone like Jason Isaacs as, as Thrawn or an Inquisitor, or an Inquisitor. <laughs> and stuff? And then Michael texted me, like, Jack, I'm we are so stupid. He is the Inquisitor. <laughs> he did, boy. Okay, so here's how it went. So I was just, like, talk, uh, going on the internet or whatever, looking up things, and, um... I, I was thinking about uh, Star Trek Discovery, I think, which he plays a main character in He that. does, yeah. Yeah, and I was like listening to his voice. I'm like, yeah, his voice kind of, sounds, kind of, ugh, sounds kind of similar to the way I remember the Inquisitor. And then I think about it for a second. I'm like, wait a second, they are the same voice. And then I Google it, and it turns out, yeah, he played the Inquisitor, so <laughs> we look like idiots. I was so shocked that I didn't know. Yeah, Because I'm so into that part of it. Yeah. I could tell you every... Like, Matt Lanto is Anakin Skywalker. James mm-hmm. Arnold Taylor is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yep. Ashley Eckstein is Ahsoka Tano. Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. is Kanan. I can tell you so many of these actors, because I'm, I'm really into the yeah. making of these shows. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love the behind-the-scenes action, so yeah. I was perplexed that I couldn't, that I never actually figured out that Jason Isaacs was the Inquisitor. I mean, he does a great job. Like, he does. He's got a, a he's got good a, voice. Yeah, it. that's another thing. I'm, I was surprised that I didn't know because how much because uh, of how much I love his voice. Because mm. he's an amazing actor. Yeah, Um. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that. That was a fun thing. That was a little very fun thing, and I was like, oh god, thank god we don't have enough of a viewership to actually get comments yet. <laughs> You're like, excuse me, when you said that uh, he would be a good uh, position in this character, he actually is already this character, so uh, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, we're not going to get like that when we actually start getting proper comments. No, of course not. Uh, <laughs> I'll be years off. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, they so... won't look back this far. <laughs> If uh, you've started watching this podcast in like three years' time and we've got much bigger viewer base and you come back all the way here, hi. Uh, hi. hi, yes. You can, you can feel free to critique us now. We've moved yes. on. Yes, <laughs> critique us three years after the fact. We're sure to listen to all your comments. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that. That's Mark Hamill and his uh, amazing uh, uh, voiceness. Now, the second little thing is not a news story, but it's a cool little thing that was released by Star Wars as it discussion. is. That it would make a little bit of a fun discussion that we can actually talk about in terms of the movies, because it's not news, it's actually something that you can talk about in the context of the films, yes. is they were talking about one Jedi that could have defeated Palpatine at the uh, at the time of the Empire's um, inception if he was still alive. And that Jedi Like is... in lightsaber combat? Or in, in, lightsaber, just... in lightsaber combat, he could have figured it out early, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, mean, th- I, th- I think I'm more interpreting... Sorry, you can look, we can, we can talk about that once we start the discussion. Uh, it's Qui-Gon Jinn. Qui-Gon Jinn, if he was alive, uh, Star Wars has released the fact that he could have beaten Palpatine if he was there. Um, I think it makes sense. This news does not surprise me. I think... I I don't know necessarily in the lightsaber side, because I don't think he was necessarily ever the most powerful Jedi. No. But he was very unique, as we explained in... Or we talked about 
and discussed in Phantom Menace. He had a very different outlook on the way that most Jedi that different to most the way most Jedi have it. Yeah. Um. And so I think you, I think it would have been he would have been able to determine Palpatine already because um in Attack of the Clones, which I'll get to, they were already talking about like kind of how uh how Qui Gon was different, how saying that Qui Gon would have like gone against Palpatine and with Dooku or whatever or something. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Qui Gon. I think he's right. Well, yeah. I think I think especially how Qui Gon was certainly starting to mistrust the, or at least disagree with the Jedi Order. Yeah. I think he would have definitely have seen the problems with the politics and what was going on the corruption there, and would have definitely been able to trace it back to Palpatine. I think that this is true. I think so. Yeah. No. I when I found this out because it was only reported on about a couple days ago mm-hmm. I thought yeah that doesn't surprise me but it'll make an interesting thing to talk about because the reason that you know well you know Master and Apprentice are my two favourite characters Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn mm-hmm. oh, at least my favourite Jedi because yes. I, I love Obi-Wan because he like you know sticks to the code but is also his own man like, we've, we've talked about that in the past couple of episodes but the reason I love Qui-Gon Jinn is because of the fact that he is immensely powerful and he doesn't let the um the, the misguided hypocrisy of the Jedi Council, or at least the way in which it was starting to yeah. grow around the time that he died. Yeah, which we'll definitely talk about. He wasn't time, letting well, that uh, affect what he did, which is why you know he w- it's why he wasn't on the council, but it's also mm. why he was so insistent that that Anakin be trained. And like another cool Anakin. thing, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So we'll sort of get into that later with Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Like if he were there, what would have changed? But in this particular dot point, what would have happened if he was to you know stare down Palpatine? The main reason the Jedi was so, um, you know, opted to look away from Palpatine completely is because they became such a subsidiary of the Senate. Yeah. They always were. They got so political. But around the time that the Clone Wars really took off, took off, they became... A lot of people think would say that they became the villains of the conflict. They yeah. became uh, really just, um, you know, uh, dogs for the Senate, yeah. really. Um, <laughs> dogs of the military. Yeah. So that that's that's... It's an interesting thought because, as we know, Qui Gon Jinn did not adhere to the, yeah. the, the the council's wishes. So I feel like through that he would have been able to uh, sense it, sense it better. Because, like you were just talking about before we went on air, there's a big part of, the, of Attack of the Clones that talks about how the Jedi are like you know their, their vision is clouded yes. or whatever, and that's because they have allowed the Senate and, as a result, Palpatine to, to control them so yeah. heavily and it's shrouded in the dark. Side. Yeah, they because Qui because Qui Gon wouldn't adhere to that. Yeah. Possibly his vision wouldn't have been as clouded, and that so. would have caused him to, well, yeah. And you know what else? You know what else yep. is um, because Qui Gon acted as such a father figure mm. for um Anakin for for Anakin in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Obviously, once Qui Gon passes, Chancellor the Chance- Chancellor Palpatine That's takes true, up that role. Yeah. He becomes a real father he, figure. He, he says that Obi Wan is the is like the father figure in his life, but he's really, really not. it's probably more Palpatine. I would absolutely say he is, and bec- and I would say that if Qui Gon was there. I think he would have noticed that Palpatine was trying to do that. So, like, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. This you stay is my... away from me, and my son. He, he would have gotten. He would have gotten jealous. I think. Um, but like, but in all just seri- like a sitcom thing of like, yeah, like this dad's trying to compete over raising Anakin. <laughs> Dad, it's it's Daddy's home, but with Anakin Skywalker. Uh, Dad Quan Jin. Um, Dad Quan Jin and, and, uh, and Daddy <laughs> Daddy Sheev. Daddy Sheev. Daddy Sheev. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, I think that Qui Gon yeah. would have been, uh, you know wiser to Palpatine's game because yeah. he was trying to do what Pal- what exactly sorry Palpatine was trying to do to Anakin mm. exactly what Qui-Gon was already doing up until his death yep. so I feel like because they were trying to do the same thing Qui-Gon would have been on to him a little bit earlier sure. and um I, I think in terms of like actual 
fighting and physically defeating Palpatine, yeah. it would be very tricky. Because the only reason, really, that Mace Windu was so close is because of his, like, unique... Um, fighting style of uh, form eight. I think. Yeah, well, because Mace Windu's uh, technique of, of fighting, he uses his opponent's dark side against them. Exactly. Obviously, Qui Gon didn't uh, wasn't a uh, like you know he one of his fam- most famous quotes is "I turn towards the light because it's there." Yeah. He picks it because it's the choice he has to make, not because he mm. wants to. Right. When's that quote? I think it's in a book somewhere. I'm pretty sure. Right. Uh, I think it was in like. Uh, a series of short stories, I believe. I can't remember. Probably. But I remember it being... I mean, it makes sense to his character. I remember it being quoted on a, you know, uh, another Clone War, uh, a Star Wars series show yeah, on YouTube. I can't remember. But sense. anyway, uh, you know, he was like that, but he didn't use the dark side against them like Mace Windu did. So that's mm. the main reason Mace Windu won. I feel like, yes, he would have been able to sense Palpatine from the start, right. but from a lightsaber dueling perspective, yes. I still feel like Chancellor... Uh, I, feel, I still feel like Palpatine would have won. I guess won. it depends on whether you believe that Palpatine purposely lost that fight. Because if he did, uh, if he chose to purposely lose the fight, but then eventually win by corrupting Anakin, yeah. Pal- uh, Mace Windu... Sorry, uh, Qui-Gon Jinn wouldn't have had the same problem as Mace Windu. Mace Windu like already had like been like not good relations with Anakin or whatever. Yeah. And, like, I reckon Qui-Gon would have been able to, like, just stop him from falling to the dark side. So maybe in that sense, if Palpatine's plan was always to lose to the Jedi to make force uh, Anakin to turn against the Jedi and save yeah. him, then, sure, he probably would have been able to stop that. So I think I think definitely they're on the they're on the ball with this one. Qui-Gon yeah. would have been able to stop that. I feel like, personally, I don't... Like, it, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Did Palpatine lose that fight on purpose? I would say no, only because of the fact that Mace Windu not only is he incredibly skilled, yes. but like we said, he uses their dark side against them. And as we know, Palpatine's dark side is very strong. So if yeah. Windu was to uh, use that for himself, I, 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 it stands to reason that he would have won. I think so. Yeah. So He's I think specifically good at taking yeah. out dark side users. So I don't think that he uh, lost on purpose, Palpatine, because he also knew that Anakin would show up. Right. So he was so he was even if he did lose. He was waiting for it to happen, which of Even course it I did. Even if I lose, I win. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. So yeah, that's an interesting thought, and uh, yeah, I feel I, it's very founded. This uh, this theory, not even a theory, it's a thing that's been released. Mm. Uh, I feel like if Qui Gon was around, uh, things would have ended a lot differently. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Palpatine knew it himself. He because yeah, um, you know, even though he was more, make sure you kill uh, Qui Gon. Even mean, though, we don't need the Obi Wan kid. He's a yeah. hit or miss, but definitely get rid of this Qui Gon kid. You know, even though you know he wasn't Chancellor at the time, he yeah. was the Senator for Naboo. He was on Coruscant I as Qui Gon was very. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Uh, yeah, he was. He was. They they, they would have been. They would have met before, of course. Yeah, and they didn't require a meeting because his dark side is just that strong. He can sense him through the Force. Mm. Um. I feel like he would have known that this guy is someone who will not adhere to the the Je- I can't I can't yeah. I can't have them appease me like the Jedi Council would yes. and will be forced to. So I need to take him out, or I, I need Maul to take yeah. him out. Qui Gon's probably the closest thing we have to like a grey Jedi in like what Legends used to call it. Yeah, like him or maybe Ahsoka, or yeah, like them. Like he's kind of that thing where it's like. It's actually probably probably less Ahsoka because Ahsoka is still very much a, a light side user, but um, but she just like chooses to like not follow the specific traditions of the Jedi. Yeah. Whereas Qui Gon, now I... he's very fluid in terms of how he views the Force and how he chooses to use it, and it just as you said, just so happens that he chooses the light of that side. I've never been sure about the concept of a grey Jedi in in general, because. Mm. Um, uh, again, Qui Gon saying "I turn towards light because it's there" shows that he is on the light side. Yes. Ahsoka, 
is on the light side. People like that are yeah. on the light side of the force, but they don't have to be particularly happy about it. Like I, I think yeah, it used to be just kind of like if you're not a Jedi, you were just like a force user, but you're not like a Sith or whatever. Yeah. But I think now it's more just like you don't view the light side and or specifically in the one specific way the Jedi does. Like you're more open to exploring the other aspects of the force because a lot of the force is overlap. A lot of the force isn't yeah. just light side, dark side. Absolutely. Because the Bendu, I mean, we see in uh, in Clone Wars, is neither. He is something in between. And mm-hmm. so, if you view it exclusively as the binary of light and dark, then simply he can't exist. And so, there is certainly some overlap in them. And I think it would be it would be interesting if, if we got to explore that more. But I certainly think Qui Gon, if any of the Jedi's would have, he probably would have, because he he looked a lot into the Force in ways that none of the Jedi had really seen before when he looked into like Force ghosts or whatever. Yeah, well, he was the first one. Exactly. He was the first one to pass into the cosmic Force, and then he obviously taught Yoda, and Yoda taught for sure Obi Wan, and so on and so on. So I would I think I think he would have explored the Force in very different ways to a lot of the other Jedi would have, and that's probably why he had a different lot of different opinions on things. I feel so too. Yeah. Um, I've always wondered, like, this is just a very quick sidebar before we go on to our main topic, but mm. people in the, um, in the sequel series, like, you know, obviously Luke shows up as a Force ghost, so yep. clearly he mastered the, the yeah, ability to, to pass into the Cosmic Force at some time during Return of the Jedi, For sure. uh, between Return of the Jedi and, uh, Force Awakens, yep. which makes sense, because there's 30 years, he would have had a lot of time, it took Yoda, like, two weeks, so, um... And it took Anakin being born the Chosen One. Yeah, I know, he doesn't, he, he, he certainly didn't go through it. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, because people like, people like Leia, yep. Leia shows up as a Force ghost at the end of Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so do you reckon she was taught how to, like, it's very possible that she they learned They said it. that they had, like, a training thing with her and Luke. It's very possible that she learnt it while she was going through her Jedi training, yeah. but because they stopped her training halfway through, yeah. and learning how to transmit into the Cosmic Force is, is, like cer- very late. is certainly something that you would do later on. Like, Obi-Wan... Obi- I don't know. I feel like they're getting more and more lax on whether you can be. I know, because Obi-Wan, like Obi-Wan some... learnt it but after he became a master. Yeah. So. I feel like like that's probably something that J.J. Abrams wanted to have. And they're not, and they didn't want to tell him like, well, you could, but it means you'd have to have Leia do the specific Force training and this obscure like thing, and be like, yeah. wait, what? No, I just want him to show up as a Force ghost. Because you need to go through as Clone Wars and Yoda's journey sh- showed. Yeah. You need to go through the trial of spirit, the trial of flesh, stuff yeah. like that. You need to go through all these like you need. You need be born the chosen one. You need to pass. You there. need to pass through a realm of the dark side and 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 emerge. Yeah. Still pure. That's something you have to do to pass into the Cosmic Force. And clearly, yeah. people like Leia didn't do it. I think... So, maybe she did, maybe yeah. she didn't. We don't know. It, it just... I mean, if she didn't complete her Jedi training, I just don't think it... It doesn't make sense. I, I think it's just know. a case of law kind of getting in the way of the storytelling of the movie. Like, they clearly very much want the uh, the symbolism of having Luke and Leia shop as Force Ghosts right at the end. Yeah. But, like, even if the law doesn't allow it, it it's like... You can kind of like sho- shove it under the rug. That's true. The only just like the idea of it. The only uh, natural progression of that same fact exists in Rise of Skywalker in that Ben doesn't show up. So you can so it's clear that he didn't go through the training and when would he because he turned to the dark side at such yeah, an early stage. Sure. So that fits in. Leia showing up doesn't. <laughs> I still would have liked it if just like fifty Jedi all showed up as like uh, Force Ghosts and like raised like who are half of these people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well. That's true, because I always say that I would have preferred, like, you know, just not just their voices. How cool would it have been if they all showed yeah. up as Force Ghosts behind her? Where was Ewan McGregor? 
<laughs> uh, yes, where was you and McGregor? Tell us. Tell us! But anyway, uh, you're right. Mm. If she turned around, she'd recognise Luke, she'd recognise Leia, she'd probably recognise Yoda based on stories being told. But if she she'd saw... She'd recognise everyone's voice. That's true. If she, if she Ray, saw... these were your first steps. But as you know, like, Never you know, in those the voices, there was Kanan, there was Ahsoka, there was yep. Mace Windu, there was Ayla Secura. Mm. She would have turned around and be like, yay, Jedi, but who the hell are you? <laughs> Why are you French? <laughs> Why are you French? Why French? Why are you French? <laughs> uh, <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, so that's that's that um, little subject. Well Wait, done, was Michael. It, was it the Ayla Secura voice from Clone Wars? Yeah, yeah, no, because like I said, so was I've, yeah, I've been watching Clone Wars this week, <laughs> yes. like I said, and all the Twi'leks are French. It's amazing, because she goes, we must get him on board the Resolute. <laughs> so is it like, like, Ray, you could do it. Ray, you could do it. Ray, you can do it. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's just going. That is a beautiful way to wrap up that conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. Um, so, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> oh, our segues. We oui, oui. Our segues leave something to be desired. Yeah. But mm. anyway, uh, that was a pretty succinct, succinct way to get through our first segment because we're only 25 minutes in. For sure. Uh, so we can devote quite a bit of time to uh, Attack of the Clones let's, now. Let's just get, jump right into how, it. How, isn't Attack of the Clones the best film ever made, Michael? Look. I actually really enjoyed watching Phantom Menace two weeks ago. <laughs> Better than I expected. I do not know if I can say the same about Attack of the Clones. Okay, um, like I said, we are going through our saga retrospective and we have reached Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, in my opinion, is the worst is of all the, the Star Wars films. It's, it's definitely the weakest. Hey, look, I haven't seen the Ewok Adventures and it depends if you count the holiday special as a, as a film or whatever. I wouldn't. But um, <laughs> it's only like a hundred. It's only Ooh. like eighty minutes long with credits. That's if you like, count cinematic released. Actually, too, Ewoks technically were cinematically released in Europe. Are you counting? But are you counting Clone Wars movie? Clone Wars movie. What? What do you think? Clone Wars movie is better than Attack of the Clones. There, I said it. I, mm, yeah, probably. Yeah. Alright, sorry. We'll uh, get into this actual yes. movie. Look, I was talking about... A main word that I used with Phantom Menace the last time we talked about it was potential. It has a lot of potential. Yeah. There is so much untapped potential on Attack of the Clones now that I've gone back and rewatched it. Because yeah. there are so many things that I watched and I took notes on that I was like, but yes. you could have done this and it would have been so <laughs> like, much cooler. Why would, you do, why would you make that choice? But anyway, we can just start from the start. And our first dot point here is something that we were just debating on when we first oh, like started so recording. Yes. Attack of the Clones as the title. Mm. Why is it called Attack of the Clones? Okay, so yeah. Not only are the clones, you know, generally considered to be the good guys in this film. Until, you know, the yeah, third I'll act of Revenge of the Sith. But not in this film. They're attacking the villains of the film. So yeah. they're not, uh, it's not the attack of the clones. And secondly, they don't attack till like the last like 30 minutes. The rest of the film, they're just like walking around and being New Zealand and such. The attack of the clones lasts for about 20 minutes. Yeah. And then it, it's between Geonosis fight, yay, attack of the clones, and then Dooku, Kenobi, Skywalker, Yoda fight. So yeah, yeah exactly. I've always thought like something... It is a just, bit of a strange Just title. a better title is... I was actually talking to you about it, mm. is um, uh, towards the end, Yoda's like... Obi-Wan's like, thank God, without the clones it wouldn't have been a victory. victory. And Yoda's like, it wasn't a victory, victory no. because the Shroud of the Dark Side has fallen. Episode 2, Shroud of the Dark Side. That sounds that way better. Be I'm not going to say that that should be the title because I'm not the guy We're who... We're referring to it from now on. That I'm, is our headcount. I'm not the person who writes the movies, but like, it also fits with what a main overarching theme of this film is because from the second the movie starts, the, the, like the first scene that you see of Windu and Yoda, mm. to uh, even it's, it's, it's bookended with their, with their last scene mm. in the movie as well. 
how the dark side is taking over and cl- and clouding their vision. I think so. That's like a major theme of the film, which it I is. completely forgot it, it about. It really is, yeah. Which it really doesn't highlight in other parts, but like that thematically is a major part of it. Because that's another thing that I really didn't like about the film and still don't like to this day and something that I would have remedied if I was, you know, if, if we were making these films is that there are very many dot points, like, you know, certain like, yeah. just, just story points, right? That, 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 are, that are introduced, that are introduced and are relevant for a couple minutes, but then don't get explored again. Yep. One of which is the clouding of the dark side by the Jedi. Yes. Another, Sifo Dias. Yep. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that. It's yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. And I, that, yeah, exactly. That they, part they bring where up Dooku all these basically things. becomes a good it guy. It kind for of two makes minutes. the film like, oh, like this is a big story. But by by just like kind of like it dying off, it just feels like this film didn't feel like it was properly put together. No, I don't, I don't think so. But yeah, so something like the Shroud of the Dark Side would have been better because it. Like, oh, at least we feel it would because, yeah. you know, it, it just fits with the overarching theme a little bit better because if you wanted to call anything an overarching theme in this movie, it would be that whole, yeah. the dark side clouds everything, impossible to see the future is, as Yoda says. So, yeah, that's 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 weird. Um, impossible to see yeah. the future is. Yoda and the rest like, of the Jedi's inability to... Yoda talks to... a lot in, like, the Yoda speak in this film because, like... He does. Here's the thing. There's like the consensus that he always speaks out of order. That's actually not the case for no, most he doesn't, of No, he doesn't always do it. Most of the time he speaks regularly. But I feel like a lot of this film, his quotes, are more in Yoda speak. So I, I would say so. Because Yoda and the rest of the Jedi's inability to use the Force is set up from an early stage. Yes. And it sets up the events for the rest of the film and, the, and uh, Revenge of the Sith. It does that well. Yeah. All right? yeah, I'm not saying it does it throughout the entirety of the film. Obviously it has to focus on other things. Mm. So, if you had to pick one thing that carries over well for the entirety of the movie, it would probably be that. Because you see it in the first... Certainly wouldn't be Anakin. No. Because you, you, you see it talked about in the first scene in the Senate yeah. building. You see them talk about it once Obi-Wan gets off that transmission yeah. when they're like, blinded we must be if the creation of this clone army we did not see. Yeah, exactly. Which, another, which is another thing. Yoda turns into a poet for that one scene because it rhymes. And then Mace Windu says... like, it's you know, very our, political as well. They're like, Definitely. we need to keep an eye on the politicians to make sure they're not evil or whatever. Well, that... Obi-Wan is so... I love listening to what Obi-Wan was saying about, like, um, to Anakin or whatever, about, like, Padme or whatever, talking about how politicians serve, like, the people that, like, pay their things and, like, to not be trusted. I'm, like, listening to it, like, based, Obi-Wan. Well, you're spinning is like, legitimate, like, political observations. I know, because... Sorry, I've, I've never noticed it before, because, obviously, I, uh, I was watching it on Disney+, Plus, <laughs> yes, and they have subtitles. Oh, I always yeah. watch it with the subtitles, and it's off in, like, the background, because it's a shot that takes yeah, place exactly. in Padme's... Yeah, exactly. It's, like, quieter. There's not it's, a focus. It's a very muff... It's, I it's, wanted to listen to that. I'm like, I want to hear more of um, Obi-Wan's political observations of the galaxy. Because he talks to Anakin just while they're trying to guard the senator. Yeah, exactly. When they're just like, it is in my opinion that the senators only favour those who fund their campaigns. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, uh, get, this, get this guy on an episode of uh, BBC Insight. Or like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so that's... Did like that. That's that. What do you feel... How do you feel about the 10 year time gap? Do you feel like it was too long, too short? Uh, definitely not too short. I feel like It needed is... to be there because, I mean, the Clone Wars in terms of like setting things up. It just kind of... It makes the Phantom Menace feel like a separated film, in my opinion. It goes like, back to... It goes back to what we were talking about with Phantom Menace in that I would I would have made Anakin a little bit older than we I see guess. him in the original film. Like, and because of that, you would have yeah. been able to make this time gap a little bit shorter and as a result had the link between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones yeah. feel a little bit more succinct. Because obviously, yeah. in Phantom Menace, you go from one Anakin actor to a completely exactly. new one and they just exactly. ask you to accept it. I think... I like the... 
the prequel like trilogy overall in terms of things but it certainly does feel disconnected in a very different way to i think that the way that the sequel trilogy feels disconnected yeah because the sequel trilogy feels disconnected in terms of one storyline doesn't feel like it's built in the same overarching story as the previous one yeah because the prequels are the exact opposite problem they have the overarching storyline but it just feels like two separate stories. It feels like The Phantom Menace is its own little story, little, like, side adventure, with, like, a couple of, like, hints or foreshadowing to the other ones. And then Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith are their own other side story set, like, years later. Definitely. And so, I, I don't know, it does... These two films are in the same universe, in the same overarching story, but they don't feel like they're in the same trilogy. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's a, that's, that's a certain thing, and... Uh, Another thing that go that, that that they talk about very early on once because you know another thing that happens uh, for a while in this you know in, in the movie is yeah. the whole concept of Padme trying to be assassinated like someone yeah trying, that's, someone, that's like the the driving force of the plot. yeah someone's trying to kill her um and when they when when he mentions <laughs> yes. when she mentions that she thinks that Count Dooku might be behind it yeah. and Mace when you immediately dismisses he assassinate anyone it's not his character well he isn't a Jedi anymore yeah. so do you think maybe it is in his character to be bad? I think... Though? Here's the thing. In his defence, I think at this point, it's very clearly not known that he's a Sith. No. Even a dark side user, because he clearly... They clearly like, are surprised when they he uses the dark side in battle or in there. I think at this point, they just knew him as a politician, because the idea is he comes from like a noble family or whatever, and he went back, and that's why he's a count or whatever. And yeah. so he was like a political person, so he like was involved in the separatist movement and all that. Uh-huh. And so I think they're more like viewing him as a Jedi, kind of similar to Qui-Gon, who just had disagreements and then so went off to be political. And so if like, if you're like been like uh, working with them for like decades or whatever, how long he was in the Jedi Order and clearly has been like a, a loyal friend, um, and then they just go off for political differences to go... Um, pursue what they feel, feel feel is right. You wouldn't necessarily just assume automatically they become a murderer no. or like a or like a, an assassin or whatever. Like I don't know. I feel like it kind of makes while it's wrong, it makes sense for the characters to assume. Yeah, that yeah I see what you mean. Like that. you know what that that that's fair because I never actually thought about the fact that they didn't really know he was a Sith Lord. No, they just they knew yeah. he left the Jedi, but he didn't. But they didn't know the full, to what extent. Yeah, that sure. makes they, they sense. They view him as like a political uh, idealist. That's yeah. the exact. And another th- and another very quick thing was that a was political idealist, not not a Sith. What was, he, it? What was the explanation? He's Ki- Ki- Mundi, He says he's a political idealist, not a murderer. That's not <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, anyway. Mundo's voice. Is so yeah, he's actually got a really nice very voice, nice doesn't he? Voice, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um. Just yeah, it's great. Isn't only. What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? What about the droid attack on the Wookiees? That's great. Uh, I need to find. So yeah, keep going. Okay, yeah, keep going. Uh, Michael's going to search something, and I'm sort of afraid, but very no, excited as well. Yeah. Uh, another cool thing that I noticed, which is kind of cool, but it's only a small thing, is uh, when Chancellor Palpatine suggests to Padme that she be put under the protection of the Jedi. Padme says she starts to say, "If I make comment, I don't think the situation is." And then she yes. she gets interrupted, that's and then you know Chancellor Palpatine says. The situation is that serious, like he oh, said. Oh, but I do believe. It. Yeah. Oh, but I do believe it's that serious, Senator. Yeah. Right? I feel like you know he knew what she was gonna say for uh, Sith foreshadowing. Much. <laughs> They're just like, excuse. Did you just? Did you just force? Did you just force? But no. Another. Uh, but another reason why I think that is because Yoda turns around and looks at Chancellor Palpatine like, wait a minute. Yeah. Right after he does that, 
So yeah. I thought that was a nice little detail. If they meant to, that, to do that on purpose, I don't know, but whatever. Yes. Now, what did you just look up? Uh, as, it's a fun meme for later on in the film, when we get to it. But, okay, uh, awesome. Yeah. Just uh, the, uh, what about the droid attack on the Wookiees reminded me of it. So. Okay, cool. Yes. Now, uh, obviously, another thing that you notice, which is a good thing, mm. I will say it's a good thing, is that there is a lot less Jar Jar in Attack of the Clones because George yes. Lucas realised how much people disliked him. But the those parts that we do get... The only part that is, is very like, integral to the plot. <laughs> I always like, because I've watched Attack of the Clones, I used to watch it when I was like five or six same. years old. This used to be my favourite Star Wars film. Yeah, well, I, I grew up on the prequels. I did. Yeah, I'm not, same. I'm, we're not ashamed to say it because they yeah. came out around the time that we were born. Exactly. So, no, um, yeah, this legitimately was my favourite Star Wars film. I loved the clones and the Geonosis fight. Yeah, so anyway, the, the part where uh, Gr- Jar Jar greets Anakin and Obi-Wan and he goes, Obi? Obi? Obi! Me says, so smiling to see you in your I always like, because what you yes. were talking about last uh, the last time we reviewed Phantom Menace, mm. you were like, oh, it's only, a, it's a, it's a yeah. nice little uh, wholesome, happy, exactly. joy, joy. I like that because I like to yes. see people being happy. I think. But not because it Jar Jar impacts the story at all. It isn't horrible. It's just, you get so much Jar Jar in the first film. His positive attitude is welcome, but it's just a lot. It's a lot. I think, what, especially just how incompetent he is in the first film. But, like, I think in this, the parts we do get, it's like a reference to the first film, and he shows up, he's, like, fun and happy, and then he gets manipulated the hell out of later on. So, yeah. I think his parts of the film are fine. We're going to get to something that the Jar Jar does do in this movie that really, like, uh... You weren't supposed to do that, but it's whatever. It's so good, though. Yeah, it is pretty good. I love it. Like, we're we're going to get into that a little bit There is some, like, this is the thing, some overarching seeds of the story, like the overall story, I really love the prequels for. Like, say what you will about the actual, like, writing or the basic story and plot. The overall plot of, like, how Palpatine takes control of the of the Republic, yeah. I think is one of the best parts of the prequels. And this has got some good setting up in it, this film. Yeah, absolutely. Now, something that does... Is, isn't set up as well, I don't think, is a lot of Obi-Wan and Anakin's interactions. Yeah. Because what is the main thing that Obi-Wan said about Anakin in episode 4 when we first meet him? He was a good friend. He was now, a, the great part and the good friend. Yes. Now, I don't get the sense that they're friends at all in this movie. Because <laughs> a lot of the time... Every so often I do. Most of the time it feels real forced, but then every every like couple of sentences... Obi-Wan has like a little snark and then I think that's pretty good. Yeah, well there's those those moments, those nice n- moments where he's getting off the transport and Anakin and Padme are about to leave for Naboo and they have a nice little may the force be with you. May mm. the force be with you, Master. Something, yeah. something like that. That's nice. But a lot of the time Obi-Wan is on Anakin's back yeah. and he's... And uh, like I understand that that's what a Master has to do but again, you're supposed, <laughs> to, you're supposed to set up this awesome, like, you know... Uh, Superman, Batman, Kirk and Spock kind of friendship yeah. that you don't really get a lot of. I think you get a lot of it in Clone Wars and you get For more sure. of it in Revenge of the Sith. There is some of it. But in Attack of the Clones, not I think much. there's a couple of lines, uh, as I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying it's not there at all. But yeah, majority of the lines just feel very forced. I believe and like, so, yeah. <laughs> I, like the, the line where, where he's like, uh, where he's talking about like his nerves or whatever, like she was happy to see you. It's like, I don't know, it's just kind of it does, it feels, it's like jumping between, like, very strict, like, uh, mentor to supposed to have, a, like, a friendly repertoire or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's no, just, I agree. It's but not there. Whether something it's the that chemistry I, of the actors or the, or the script, I'm not sure, but... Something that I did see as maybe a reasoning for this, right, is uh, how noticeably jealous Obi-Wan is of Anakin at certain points. Because I thought that, like, you know, obviously he's, he's, 
inherited this boy yes. from his master because he promised he would. You know, yeah. Obi Wan never wanted to really train Anakin. He yes. did it over uh, because of a promise to his master, exactly. Qui Gon Jinn, when he died. So because he's having to train this boy who is noticeably more powerful than him, yeah. it's easier to feel sort of uneasy and inadequate. I feel, okay. uh, which is why you know, in certain points where you know when they're guarding Padme and the worms show up and they're and she's about to die, when Anakin, when they're saying when when they're talking about the Chancellor or something, whatever, yes. and then Anakin turns his head quickly and notices. Obi-Wan says, I sent it too. Yeah. Like, he almost needs to prove that he can sent it too to Anakin so that he can... I don't know. Okay. I, it's, 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 I think it, that it, line specifically was more of just them, like, kind of like... I don't know if it was like a comedy moment, but it was more just like a... Fair like enough. A I always saw that as I, like I understand a, what you're saying. I, I always I thought of it as like a... in the part where, like... As a somewhat interesting observation. Yeah. Hmm. I think definitely there are parts of it. Yeah. Now... Uh, Something that I do also love is yes. the part where, like, you know, in that scene where Anakin's just like, uh, she turned off the cameras, I don't think she liked me watching her. Oof. Yeah, well, no, boo. Oh. <laughs> Look, we'll get to the romance, but, oh, it's worse than I remember. Oh, boy. There yeah. are some real creepy moments. Hell yeah. How the hell does she fall for this guy? Look. I don't know. Well, that's another thing that I was going to get into later, but we can get into it now and sort of just continue sure. with it later sure, yeah. at the start there is a clear thing that Padme really doesn't want to be romantically tied yeah. to this guy and then there's that scene nice. where he float where he makes a pair float and uh, <laughs> if if Master Obi-Wan caught me doing this he'd be very grumpy like, <laughs> oh, God, and then yeah. literally in the next scene she's talking about yes I know but we could never make it work yeah. like you you turned on a dime so quickly, like all like yeah. at one point you don't really want anything. Like she pulls away from the kiss. No, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And then in the next scene, she's she's all up in it. it so is, it's, it's a very very quick and abrupt character switch it's, that I never really appreciated. The, yeah, like Anakin is like very hard like pursuing her, but then like every so often being like, yeah, I really shouldn't do this, but who cares? Whereas like Padme is like her her like shifting in like like her whether she does or does not. As you're saying, it's like abrupt, but also it's like, it's like in a sort of sense, it's borderline manipulative. Like as much as like <laughs> a bit, of, a bit of Stockholm syndrome. Kind, well, kind of like he's really creepy in a lot of scenes, but like you can't admit that she hasn't, like in, in a number of situations, like she doesn't like say no, and it's weird. It's, no, really, she doesn't. And look, this is how George Lucas wanted Hayden Christensen to play Anakin. So he had a vision, and we can't fault that. I mean, it's not, we can't fault, we, we can't, uh, like... We can't fault Hayden Christensen for following the vision. No, but because... we can Hayden, fault the vision for being dumb. Because I stand by the idea that... Because I've seen him in quite a bunch of other stuff. I think that Hayden Christensen is a really talented actor. And he can, and he can do... Yeah. He, 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 can, he can act really well. And the direction and the way you see him act in this movie is the way that George Lucas wanted him to play it. So, yeah. I, so I, can, I can't really fault Hayden Christensen uh, himself because I think he's great. But I can fault George Lucas's vision in how he wanted Anakin to be portrayed, which I don't think was very succinct. But I just, I don't know. There's a couple of lines. Like, earlier on, before they were, like, at this point, Padme, aside from, like, friendship of having seen them again after ten years, has shown no romantic attraction. No. And he's just, like, staring at her and she's like, I hate, I don't like it when you look at me like that. And he's like, sorry, uh, Senator... Oh, no. But that's not it. Like even it's that, so even, creepy. There, there's that gay. Like obviously we can't give it to you guys visually because yeah. we're on voices. But there's like a like I'll a like it. a he stares. Mm. He stares at her while she walks off, and he's yep. like, 
Sorry, oh, lady. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... And then it does the cross wipe and it goes to the next scene. They but... love their, their, like, scene changes, their little effects. There's, like, circle ones. Yeah, because... Do they have a star one? I don't think they do. No, they don't have that a star one. That would be one. so funny. Because, obviously, you know... Got the cross wipe. Star Wars has always been known for that kind of, for that yeah, kind the, of star wipe thing. And you hope when they lift up C-3PO, they lift up the transition screen with them. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, Attack of the Clones does it a lot. And oh, I yeah. mean a lot. A and, lot. You, and you know why? Is because the... The fact that this movie was not well put together, in mm. my opinion, yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, um, uh, what's the word um, pacing difficulties. Yeah, there's a lot of tonal difficulties in between yeah. scenes. So because they couldn't figure out how to properly make this scene transition, transition to the next one properly, oh, it's okay. Just put a star wipe in. It's exactly. okay. <laughs> just put a star wipe in. Now you know what? Put like a, a fa- like it turns into a puzzle piece and all goes around. For this, you know what? For this next thing, I will be positive. I think because last. Okay. W- because for this for last week oh sorry not last week whenever we talked about two weeks ago two weeks ago thank you uh, we were talking about something that was good about the film Mm. in that it built out the world of Star Wars like the Star Wars universe it showed us new places definitely tried to focus more on the positives of Phantom new planets new species there were unexpected positives yeah I feel like that was a another positive of this movie in that mm. the world of Coruscant is Coruscant's a, beautiful. Coruscant is beautiful, and it's another example of Lucas's ability to build out these new worlds. Yeah. Obviously, Coruscant was in Phantom Menace, but you didn't get to see right. it to this extent. I think like this, the inner workings and the citizens yeah, yeah, yeah. turning turning it basically into the Times Square of Star Wars. I think so. I think the the, the Phantom Menace was good because it had a lot of like miniatures and, and like sets like that, which were expanded by CGI. And I think this has a, a problem where. It just it went a further on in relying on CGI, where pretty much every set and every scene was CGI. I think Coruscant was fine. I think because of its scale, because of like how absurd it is, and like it's a, like a massive sprawling city, even though it was like pretty much all computer generated and stuff, I think it yeah. worked fine. And so what we got to see, like the the chase scene where like Obi Wan's hanging on like the droid, and then they're inside the speeders, like that was really visually interesting and was one of the most interesting like. And best paced moments of the film. Like, it was a fun action set piece, in my opinion. I would agree. How do you feel about the chase scene? Do you like it? Because uh, yeah, I think it's one of the more, more interesting parts of the film. I feel like it's well directed. It's uh, it, it's it's put together well. In there terms are some of, insane choices by in, Anakin and in, the Jedi. In, but... in, in terms of how well you see Anakin, then it cuts back to Sam we sell, yeah. and then it cuts back to them. It's well intercut. Yeah. The thing that lets it down is yes, the sometimes poor CGI. And the dialogue, because yeah. there's that... And you know what else? It happens twice in this one scene, yes. where obviously they go into the industrial district of, of uh, Coruscant, and she yeah. and like he she electrifies the wall and stuff, yeah. and everyone's, Anakin, how many times have yes. I told you to stay away from power couplings? <laughs> That's so specific! Like, well, how many times does he go through power couplings? I know, like, what I'm just... What the hell? <laughs> but he's like, oh, like, like is it just ha- something that happens every Tuesday, where they're just like... Oh, Anakin's shocking himself again. Yeah, he's gone through another power coupling, that kid. That, I, I can't beat it into him. He's just, he won't, he won't listen. That darn Danakin, how many times <laughs> have I told you to not electrocute yourself? Daddy Obi-Wan, when Daddy Obi-Wan says something, you listen. I just love it. Little Seriously. Annie listens. How many times have I told you to stay away from power couplings? Oh. <laughs> it's so it specific. The, right, the, yeah, the lightsaber one makes a little more sense because, like, you know, he's like... Like reckless, so he loses. The lightsaber it makes but sense. Power couplings, it's so specific. But there's one more. Yeah. You know where it is? Yeah. It's when he decides to jump off. Yeah. He, he jumps off the speeder, oh, and Obi Wan just looks over the side and is like, "I hate it when he does that." Yeah. Same, How many times has he done this? Same joke, <laughs> just as absurd. Yeah. How many times does he jump off a ship to try and like land? Because I, I I looked it up. Right. Yeah. These um 
like basically every building on Coruscant is basically as tall as the Burj Khalifa, the the the, the yeah. tallest building. Yeah, they're like the, the, Yeah, back in over in like Dubai, it's the tallest building in the world, yeah. right? Basically, every building on Coruscant is as big as that. Yeah. So what happens when Obi Wan and Anakin are like investigating something on Coruscant? He's he's like talking to some banking clan dude, and <laughs> he's like, uh, "Is your Padawan okay?" Oh yeah, he's fine. He just jumped out of an eight. He just he just yeah. jumped off an eight hundred story See, thing again. Here's the thing. Um, like it makes sense when Obi Wan's like on the thing and uh, on the droid and it gets shot and then he starts falling. How Anakin like kind of surges down with him to like momentum wise like yes. match his speed and catch that works. him. Anakin goes like eight hundred meters or whatever you were saying, falling down. And like hits um, Sam uh, Sam Weasel Sam Weasel's Sam Weasel I guess Sam Weasel yeah whatever whatever her her ship her speeder as it's like flying horizontally it hers doesn't match his momentum no that was like a massive momentum stop he would have he would have gone splat I think (laughs) you have like because he it kind of showed a little bit that he was like using the force to slow his descent to a a certain amount because like you see Jedi I don't know too much in the movies but certainly in Clone Wars they jump long distances and land pretty much fine using their Jedi to like kind of slow them so they're forced to slow their momentum yeah so um, like you could have explained that but still it was like a, a hit and then grab like it was yeah. not a, not a kind uh, uh, collision yeah exactly now uh, we just mentioned uh, Sam Weasel so we're going to get into her and the concept of a changeling yes the ch- a changeling is interesting because not only does the concept and the name changeling come from European mythology obviously George yes. Lucas did his research like he did for the original film sure. that is cool the concept of a changeling is awesome but the execution is sloppy, and I'm going to tell it's, you why. Yeah, it's because when you get to see the most of it, which is in the bar, when they go into the bar, like, I, I researched this, and you see it in Clone Wars, changelings can't just turn into, well, their species, and then a human form of themselves. They are literally shapeshifters. They can turn into anyone. Like, in Clone Wars, you see, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kato. Uh, yeah. Kato something. Um, I can't remember her last name, but she yes. changes into Order Innocence. She changes into Jukasta Nu. So this was a chance yeah, to exactly. take the uh, the this because up until this point, it's the concept very much not utilized. It's no. just it. She turns into her changeling form and then her human form. The concept of a of a shapeshifter is something we hadn't seen in Star Wars yet. So, and I was mentioning it to you right before we went on air, Michael. Is mm. uh. You guys might know what I'm talking about. I know you do. Is in the original X Men. Obviously, you have Mystique. She's a shapeshifter. In there's that there's that part where like Wolverine is regrouping with like Storm, Halle Berry, Storm, and she's like, "Come on, we got to get out of here." And then he stabs her, and you're like, "Uh, that's your teammate. What the hell?" And then it, and then you realize that that was actually the shapeshifter Mystique, and that was like a cool little yeah. you know audience or like reaction yeah. subversion sort what? of thing. How cool would it have been in this movie if like Obi Wan comes up behind Anakin in the bar? And he's like, "Did you find her yet?" And then he and Anakin turns around and like slices off his arm or something like that. You'd be like, "What the hell was that? That that that's Obi Wan? What are you doing?" And then you realize that it's the shapeshifter. It would have been a really cool little like surprise yeah. for the audience, and it would have developed the concept of a changeling even better. And something that works the best yeah, exactly. is literally the last, the first thing that Obi Wan says to Anakin when they enter the bar is, "Why do I get the feeling you're going to be the death of me?" Now, obviously. That's a little bit on the nose because Anakin is the death of Obi Wan <laughs> eventually, but it would have made this scene a little bit more clever if they had also done that. Yeah, it would have given it two meanings instead of just one. Yeah, bland that would have been one. very clever. I think so as well. Um, so yeah, yeah. if I was writing I think, Attack of the Clones, to be fair, I think X Men did actually come out before Attack of the Clones, so that's true. But yeah. like you know, it still could rip work. off. They could have like worked it in interesting ways, but I think yeah, that idea certainly 
certainly the changeling aspect of her was really not explored at yeah. all. And you know what else I, th I thought is that this is just another example of the fact that George Lucas, I feel like, just needed to take a little bit more time to understand the complex nature of the Force that he himself created yeah. and translate it into the script for this movie. Because before they go into the bar, Obi-Wan says to Anakin, Patience, yeah. use the Force. Think. Alright? Yeah. Using the Force and thinking are not the same thing. Yeah. Because even Qui-Gon says to Anakin in Phantom Menace, Feel, don't think. Alright? Yeah. The Force is all about feeling what you should be doing and yeah. using your instincts get, instead of your in, in, instead of just thinking yeah. something and doing it. We get hints and like subtle suggestions to like more interesting parts of the force and certain things, but like certainly in the way that's written in the plot and the characters like actions and certain parts of the script, it feels like the Jedi are just kind of generic like soldiers. Like they use lightsabers, they can like force push and that's about it. They never really explore the more like deeper side of the force in really yeah. anything like at least not in the prequels there's yeah there's never really a part where they need to just stop and need to just like feel what they need to do like everything's constantly moving you know what i mean yeah there were like you know i was just talking to you about the fact that i was watching uh the clone wars this week mm. and i was getting past the episodes where the younglings go and get their crystals and stuff yeah um it I was scared a for a second you said younglings <laughs> it's a cool little thing where in that episode they all have to you know, focus and stop, use the force, and then that guides them through. Like, mm. one ep one one example is, like, you know, Gunji, the, the Chewie... Your favourite one. The, Chuba the, uh, the Wookiee youngling. Wookiee, not Chewbacca. Um, he, he decides Don't to... Don't be a racist. <laughs> In terms of getting his crystal, he decides to not go and get it directly. Mm. He sits, he yeah. meditates, he's patient, yes. he uses I'm... the force... And that allows him to get the crystal. Hundred percent agree. I, we needed to see more of that yeah. in the mainstream Star Wars films. Like I, I'm not the biggest fan of the Youngling arc in Clone Wars, but no, the no, moment no, they no, get their crystals is by far the most interesting. It's certainly not the best arc. I'm just using it as an yeah, example I, of no. of like how the Force should be used but on I agree. an I everyday agree. That's basis. Why I did really love though that that specific episode because we did learn more about the Force as an individual thing for each person and how like the different ways it expresses itself. So I definitely agree with that. It expands how the Jedi don't just use the Force to levitate stuff and force push and do all that stuff. One with the force, force with me. One with the force, force with me. <laughs> they they go into how the Jedi use it to achieve their goals. Yes. Which definitely. is which is something I wanted to see more of in Attack of the Clones. You get to see a, a little bit more of it in Revenge of the Sith, but really not much. Yeah. So anyway, we could sort of move on now. Yes. Um. Uh, something that we were talking about with Phantom Menace. Oh, is it? Wait, so is just moving on. But one last bit. There are actually a lot of like fun cameos in this little bar area. Did you know? <laughs> yeah, go so, take us take us through this. So yeah. there's a couple of them. So for one, uh, Ahmed Best shows up as as a character, just as himself, uh, as a character called Ahmed Bed, I think. <laughs> uh, he's like ordering a drink. They really didn't change his name a lot. No, they? no, that's that's the joke. Um, uh, uh, Ahmed Bed, is that his name? Uh, yeah, Ar Ahmed Bed like that. Um, and he's ne next to him is like a Twi'lek who's played by like George Lucas's daughter. Oh, that makes sense. She eyes off Anakin because she thinks she's, he's attractive, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's it. That was funny. Also, Anthony Daniels has a live-action cameo. Not what? as C-3PO. You're yes. kidding. How did I not know that? I know. Where does he show up? He shows up again in the scene. I, I Here's the thing. I noticed him in it and then went back and found the, that uh, Ahmed Best was also in it. His, his character... Let me just... I'll be damned. Yeah. I did not know that. It's another, like, acronym-type thing where it's pretty similar. Okay. It's called Daniel Faye Tony. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Okay, well, you guys can either just Google Anthony Daniels cameo in Attack of the Clones, yeah. and, I, and I'm going to take a look at this once we finish recording. Sure, sure. But uh, that's that's pretty cool. Now, something else that I was really excited to make as a dot point, because I got to think about it a little bit, and it ties into what we were talking about with Phantom Menace the last time we talked about it, is that they needed to set up the dark side of Anakin, even mm. when he is a Jedi. You get a lot of it in Clone Wars, and you get sort of a little bit of it in Attack of the Clones when he murders the same people and he starts to get angry very easily. Yes. But something that would have been great to see is when they're questioning Sam Wiesel, who hired you, like, yep. you know, you know, do, do you know who it was you were trying to kill and stuff sure. like that. How cool would it have been if in that moment she's being very... She's not helping them. She's yep. being very, like, you know, I'm not going to... I don't speak to Jedi scum, something yeah. like that. And then Anakin is being, like... how. If yeah, Anakin kind of like, like what we get in Wars. Exactly. Anakin starts to get really aggressive. I don't know, maybe he, sure, yeah. maybe he, I don't know, squeezes her injury or <laughs> use, uses the Force on her in a, in a dark James side Bond way. Does James Bond style, like, lightsaber slowly moving towards her. Yeah, or like, you know, something like that. It's just like, something that would have been a little bit brutal to see, but something that you need to show mm. to set up the dark side of Anakin. And then Obi-Wan would have to push him back and like, Anakin, no! And like, yeah. this is like, Master, this is Padme's life we're talking about. <laughs> then we'd get another, like, uh, Obi-Wan scold of, like, you need to listen to what I'm saying. Yeah, well, this is... This. Well, that this is a time where something yeah, like that, that would have been warranted. Yeah, and aside so, from grow more beautiful, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so, all you get of it is Anakin raises his voice once when he's like, yeah. who hired you? Tell us. Yeah. And then there's a gap and he goes, oh, tell us now! That was a good Hayden Christensen impression. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's all you get. I wanted. I, I would have wanted to see more. Mm. And and you don't need to show a lot of it. You need. You can do it subtly. Yep. But a little bit less subtly than what they have it now. Because all he does is <laughs> raise his voice. Because yeah, yeah. all he does is raise his voice, and that's it. Don't so, worry. If you want evil Anakin, you get it later on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I, I. You needed to set it up from this point. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah, we're gonna get into quote unquote evil Anakin a bit later, but. Oh. Um, are yeah. we up to it? I think so, but the next thing we we're going to talk about, because it's basically the next thing that comes, yeah. is that Anakin's manipulation, uh, okay. that Palpatine's okay. manipulation of Anakin is set up well in this little yeah. meeting that they have when he's try when he when when Anakin goes and tells Palpatine that he needs to persuade Padme to come with them because she doesn't want to leave Coruscant. Yes. So he thinks that the Chancellor can get her to leave, mm. and he does. And obviously, I liked this scene a lot, and I'll tell you why is because. Anakin was obviously trained at a very old age. He yep. started late, and he's at very many times not given everything he wants from the Jedi Council, and he's held back sure. when he knows he shouldn't be. He's not allowed to go visit his mother because he thinks that because they say that attachment is forbidden, exactly. right? But in these scenes, Chancellor Palpatine welcomes those feelings. Yeah. He allows Anakin to feel the way he, sh like you know, he allows Anakin to free freely. Yeah, uh, feel free freely. Feel freely. I mean, for sure. Um, so in that way, Palpatine is, uh, unknowing, unbeknownst to Anakin, getting him on his side. Mm. And I feel like that was a very good and subtle way they did it, like in a, in a way that's sort of like show, don't tell. Yeah, which exactly. Is a, which, which is a great... The opposite to what they've been other doing. This worked well. A lot of the time, it's tell, don't show yeah. uh, with, with, with the prequels. But in this instance, they do it very well. Which So that is a little bit of praise that I'd like to give Attack of the Clones because I think, I think so, it yeah. does it really well. Um, so that scene works. Definitely. Now we're going to get into... A little character named Dexter Jetster. Oh, very good. Uh, Dexter Jetster, I'm sure you guys do <laughs> I know. I so want you to see you. <laughs> but he's um he's like a he's an old friend of Obi Wan's and yes. and he because he's trying to figure out where the poison dart came from, so he goes to Dexter Jetster's 50s style oh, very uh, a bar on do you Coruscant. Do the line in unison. <laughs> what what line? 
You know the line. Okay. Three, two, one. Do you want to have a Jawa juice? It's, just, just, to, just to clarify, it's Jawa juice. Hang on, all right, hang on. You gotta, because did they, did they juice a Jawa? Jawa. I swear, it's Jawa. It has to be, right? It is. It's Jawa juice. It literally. What kind? Of, what kind of juice is this? I have no idea. This is okay. I, I, I'd recommend you don't research it because you're gonna get. I've, I've, t- I've clicked off it. I do not want to know what Jawa juice is. You're gonna get scarred. But, uh, is it, okay, is it ja- juice made out of Jawa or is it juice made by Jawa? Because either <laughs> oh, one's just as bad. Oh no! Oh god, that's awful. <laughs> um, we might have to cut that out. Uh, <laughs> if anything, this is going to be our uh, sneak peek that we put up on Facebook where we talk about Jawa juice. Where does how do you? I mean, if you see the way that the Jawas consume the egg in uh, Mandalorian. They love their fluids. So. <laughs> oh, Michael. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Uh, yeah, so Dex and Jester's 50s down is pretty cool because the waitress has a Brooklyn accent for some yes. reason. And um, he's That's like... a droid, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, that depends. Depends on what, Dex? On how good your manners are. How big your pocketbook is. Oh, so, so I guess pocketbooks exist in Star Wars as well, which is a nice yeah. little tidbit. I mean, it's credits, so, you know, you just yeah. your pocketbook. Um, so... Oh, that was so good. I love Dexter. And <laughs> this is a, actually a quote that I took from Dexter Jester's own Wikipedia page. Yes, yes, Because yes. I just needed to include it's, it. I mean, it's the most important part of the so, in, so enjoy this. Before the Clone Wars, Dexter's diner was known to have the best Nerf burgers ever. And people from all over the galaxy travelled to Coruscant to eat at Dexter's. Unfortunately, not all of Jester's clientele was trustworthy as he was. Thieves sometimes stole nearby, so Jetster enlisted the help of his Jedi friend, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi and Jetster set up a sting in the diner itself to stop oh, the robberies boy. when the thief, Tri, Tri Tellen, pickpocketed a trinket from Kenobi. Jetster and Kenobi tracked Tri to, to his hideout that she shared with another rogue, McGregor. Jetster now owed a favour to Kenobi, one that would be paid. Where is this from? I do not know. This that would be such a fun Clone Wars episode. How cool would it have been if we was if there was just a side episode where Obi Wan yeah. helps Dexter Jetster with like a crime like, boss thing? I guess thing. technically, the Clone Wars almost. I think every Clone Wars episode is set during the Clone Wars. Nothing is set before or after. No, no, no. It's all set between Attack of the Clones. But and that would have been so much fun to just have like a, a Clone Wars episode set like 10, 15 years earlier, whatever it was. This is such an amazing yeah, thing. Yeah, just a side venture of Dexter Jetster and everyone's shenan- shenan- shenanigans of like trying to find a, the Nerf Burger thieves or whatever. Yeah, who? <laughs> he serves Nerf Burgers. What the hell is a Nerf Burger? You're a, such a, a burger, burger made of Nerf. <laughs> you scruffy-looking Nerf burger. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he meant to say. Uh, that, uh, that's what she meant was just, uh, Leia said that. Nerf herder. Yeah, she yeah. Says. No, but like she, she mispronounced it. She said Nerf herder. She meant Nerf burger. She's a big fan of Dexter's Diner, and she's <laughs> like, "You look like one of those Nerf burgers." I, go- I, go- I tried to Google what happened to Dexter Jetster after Order sixty six and yeah. uh, like at the rise of the Empire. I couldn't find an answer, but. He's, he's still selling his diner. Dexter Jetster, a Star Wars story. Where is De- it? Dude, the Dexter's diner is is now bigger than ever. You know, post yeah. the New Republic. Now, something that is uh, interesting when yeah. Anakin and Padme first touch down in Naboo, mm. they have an interesting discussion about uh, Padme's term as queen and how she now serves in the yes. Senate. And Anakin has that. I'm glad you decided to serve because the people need you. Mm. Something like that is interesting to see. 
But it's only a very throwaway piece of dialogue when Padme says that she was not the youngest queen ever elected. Yeah, what the hell is that? <laughs> she was elected when she was 14. I know. Naboo is insane. They elected like a 12 year old. Say so they elected someone who was younger than the age of 14 to yeah. run a planet. Mm. Mm. It's, yeah. it's... And not even just like any planet. Naboo is clearly one of the most politically important planets in the galaxy. It was the first planet to join the Republic. Was it? Yeah. Oh my god. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I think it was. That's insane. Yeah. And anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. I, Wait, I, the first planet to join? So when it was just the Republic of One? I I guess. I, I mean, it normally, like, I, it makes sense. But I like, honestly don't know. Generally, now, there's, like, republics that are, like, a joint of, like, a couple early ones, and then they later on join. That's true. But maybe. We'll never know. So, like I said, Anakin and Padme's political discussion is good on the surface. Yeah. But it needed to be much more than just the banterous conversation that it turns into. Now, that was their attempt at flirting. It was. Yeah, because when Anakin postulates that those who don't agree with the majority... Uh, like, this is the part where they're in that waterfall yeah. field, yep. whatever, and he starts to talk about... Very that, CGI. Yeah, because yep. he says, when Anakin postulates that those who don't agree with a majority mm. uh, should be made to do it. It does <laughs> foreshadow his yeah. dictatorship. He's Vader. Still an authoritarian regime. Yeah, and, which yeah is what well, he does. that was that was George Lucas's way of setting up Vader from a political standpoint, sure. which which works fine. Yeah. But if you wanted to get, if you wanted to lean into that, actually take it seriously, yeah. not just two minutes talking about I'm, I'm too, I'd be too scared to tease a senator, like. <laughs> I'm like, come on. And they start talking oh. about Padme's like yeah. Padme's old boyfriend. I know. When are we going to see Palo in live action? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was an artist, very cute, oh. curly hair. Yeah. Does he even want the way? Okay, yes. Too many questions. And I frankly, I don't want the answers. Well, because it's, it's, it's just another thing that is really inconsistent because this scene is supposed to set up that Anakin is, has got a dark side to him. Yeah. If you want to maintain that tone, keep going. All right, it's there for two minutes, and then literally right after, they are laughing, and Anakin Roll is trying to. Around he's riding animals. like a like a what are they called? They're like no idea. Oh, they're in they're in climbers on weird on, weird cows. Yeah, the one that like gets um, poisoned in the blue shadow virus. So <laughs> yeah, so I don't even know what they're called, but. Uh, yeah, and Kate Christensen and Padma, uh, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman's chemistry fades in and out. Yeah. There are parts yeah, where it's bad. There are yeah. parts where it's good. Yeah. This scene, I think it's pretty good. The part where they, where he makes, where Anakin makes himself look like mm. he's hurt, and they roll through the fields. Yeah. It's it's cheesy, but their interactions work well. I will I, don't know. I, will I feel say like that. it's only good just because so much of the film is so much worse, and that is impossible. <laughs> yeah. That's like true. like look. It doesn't look like they're trying just desperately. Like I don't know. It doesn't look like they really should not be together at that point. They're just like yeah, they're fine. Yeah, you know what? Something that is uh, really beautiful. Yes, is their theme. Love, yeah. ac- love across the stars. The music in this film is banger. It's so many scenes. Uh, that, that, like you know, say what you will about Attack of the Clones. Where we're getting into a lot of stuff that we don't like about it. Something that is flawless as always is the music. I listen to Anakin and Padme's theme yeah. whenever I just need to calm down because it's a beautiful, beautiful theme. I love the Camino theme. That one's really cool. It is. Opinion. It is really. It is really good. The the, the themes in What's throughout the, the entirety. There's such a good music in this film. The 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 entirety of the movie has amazing themes, and that's due to John Williams because yeah. regardless of how good the Star Wars so movie good. is John Williams will never let you down oh, for sure yeah I think you, you were saying things that we have problems with I think this film as you were saying major problem with pacing half of this film I think is fine and has some fun little side adventures yeah and that's the parts with Obi-Wan the, the side adventures with Obi-Wan where he's like following Django Fett 
and he's like going to uh, Camino, then uh, Geonosis. Like, it's fine. It's not particularly anything special, but you know, there are some fun moments and Obi-Wan's just a fun protagonist to have. Exactly. Then I... the parts when it cuts back to Naboo with Hayden Christensen oh, and Natalie boy. Portman, yeah. it just slogs so much. This film feels so much longer than I thought it would. It's it's, it's, it's half of a good movie. Yeah, it's two in, it's two hours and like 20 minutes, but it felt like three or four hours for me. I know, because Obi-Wan's detective story thing yeah. where he follows this 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 yeah. lead to Kamino, that leads him to Geonosis, that's all... Really cool. I think there's another a, dot point that I have. There's an edit of of the of Attack of the Clones where it's just Obi Wan. Someone I, someone's done an edit where it's just Obi Wan. It's like him investigating. It's like fifty minutes long, and it's apparently it's like really good. And I like, bet it's better. It fixes a lot of the problems. Yeah. yeah. And something that I did like is when Obi Wan first meets Jango Fett. There's that part where obviously Jango uh, look. Yeah, they both o know. Obi Wan knows who this guy is, yeah. and Django knows who that guy is. Yeah. But it, it's left unsaid, mm. and that's why Tamara Morrison as Django yeah. Fett and Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. are the saving graces of this movie, because yeah. they are both really good, and when you put them in a room together, like exactly. you do in this movie, they are really good, because their eyes, their eyes say a lot, because they're saying, yeah, oh, it's exactly. wonderful to meet you, Django, but their eyes are <laughs> you're saying, a you're, you a, person. you're a bad you're man, kill bad and I'm coming after you. So, that scene is great. Yeah, and I, I agree. Baby, I baby Boba Fett is... God, George Lucas loves his child actors, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, Dad, so. Don Wee's here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I think, I love it, because you can kind of summarise uh, Obi-Wan's uh, investigation part of the film as just him stumbling into everything. Like, he's <laughs> yeah, there that's to true. find Padme's killer. He ends up finding the clone army on them and, like, basically sets off the entire Clone Wars. He then goes to Geonosis to track Jango Fett, then finds the Separatists are forming, like, their own droid army as well. I know. He finds, like, everything just by stumbling into it. It's I know, very because, fun. like, if you think about it, like, Yoda goes to Kamino and brings the clones with him to Geonosis yeah. because of what Obi-Wan told him. Yeah. Right? So, if you think about it, if Obi-Wan never investigated the dart, yeah, yeah. he would have never made it to Kamino, then he wouldn't have given Yoda a reason to go to Kamino. Yeah, yeah. So literally, the fact that the Clone Wars even started when they did was a complete accident. I wonder, because it could have been two situations in my opinion. Because Palpatine clearly said it's going according to plan. Yes. I think one of two things was either the case. Either, one, they made it purposeful that Obi-Wan, or at least someone, was to track Jango Fett, which seems kind of unlikely because all they followed him on was a dart and then they tried to hide the location of Kamino in the Jedi Archive. So it's kind of... Well, look, J uh, Jango Fett was enlisted by Dooku, yeah. who was enlisted by Palpatine. Yeah, so, so it could be the case. The other one is maybe um, Palpatine had a plan of when to like activate the clones or when to start the Clone Wars, but it just kind of got accelerated, but it was still like... It was good enough timing, so I'm not sure. But certainly, yeah, the... the uh, uh, events as shown in the film are certainly coincidental, which is a bit strange. Although we did skip a part. If we said if we said he bent to Kamino already, we did miss the part with uh, Joe Castanew and the Je Jedi Archives. You know what I love? Joe Castanew couldn't figure out why the planet wasn't there. Yoda and Obi-Wan couldn't figure out why it was there. But a youngling who's like, 
because someone erased it from the archive memory. She is more annoying, like and like and like grumpy than I thought she was in that film. <laughs> yeah, she goes. She, it isn't just like when he's in the Jedi archives. It's like she opens it up with, "You needed help, Master Obi Wan." Like she's like annoyed that like a Jedi like as uh, like him is needing help in like a library. Or yeah, whatever. because because uh, at one point like Obi Wan's not at the computer yet. He's yeah. staring at is, the. He's, is it Dooku? It is. He's staring at the bust of Count Dooku's head, yes. and he's like, and he's just st standing there, and Dukasanu's like, "You summoned me, or whatever, something mm. like that." And Obi Wan's just like, uh, "Oh yes, I did." And there's a bit of silence again, yeah. and then Dukasanu's like, "Are you having a problem, Master?" That's Kenobi? the one. That's what. Like, is. hey, calm down, lady. He's asking for your help. Don't get so. Don't have such a short temper. They have so they have the fallen Jedi. I think it's like called the Nine Fallen Jedi or something. Something like that. As like statues in the Jedi archives. That's weird. Because Dooku's there. Yeah, it's, it's it's Jedi that left the Order. It's not Jedi that died. Yeah. Why do they honor... I don't understand. I don't understand. But yeah, she's just like, if the Jedi does not exist in the Jedi Archives, it doesn't exist. Yeah. So now... Worst, worst Star Wars character? Uh, she's up there. She's I've up. never enjoyed Joe Kasten, no. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, if you wanted to cut back to Anakin yes, and Padme, which sure. you inevitably have to do... I mean, they cut to it in random parts of the film, so we can cut to it in random parts in our podcast. Exactly. Fantastic. Because <laughs> the scene on in the fireplace, yes. when it really takes off this quote-unquote relationship... Seriously, these <laughs> two are supposed to be the, the, the parents yeah. for the future of the Force, and you don't... I'm just, haunted by the kiss you shouldn't have given me. First of all, you gave it to her, oh, yeah. and she recoiled. So you got you're wrong there. So because oh. it's somewhat effective on the surface, I will yes. say. Because but, but but what lets it down is the questionable dialogue, of course. Because mm. it's like <laughs> yeah. I'm haunted by the kiss, and um, yeah. uh, what is it? The closer I get to you, the worse it gets, and yes. stuff like that. If you're feeling this pain, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> because Christensen, like I said, was playing it the way that George oh. directed him, and after some time. The performance has aged better because of what we now know as of Anakin as a character, because that's been expanded yes. on with but like it's post so much information. In the Clone Wars, because th th that's another thing is that like obviously, like I just said, it's been revealed later yeah. and it's been uh, talked about in like you know just articles that Star Wars has released onto the internet and stuff. Yeah. But we shouldn't have to rely on that sort of thing sure. to make the film yeah. better as a whole. The film we should be, be able to take that film as it was back in 2002 exactly. Exactly. and make a good and, and understand a good character it from it. It needs to be a product wholly on its own. Exactly. You can't not... have 18 years of, of post-description. Like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I just feel like I, I feel their, their relationship is so much more interesting. I mean, not only in Revenge of the Sith, but in Clone Wars. It's just so much better explored. Yeah. It's and just not good. Th there are just other things that aren't... Like, you know, we were talking about it shortly before when we were talking about how the, the, the Jedi don't use the Force in the way that you would want them to in this movie. Yeah. Because there are parts where Anakin just says stuff. Yeah. When he, like, wakes up from his nightmare and Padme's like, you had a, you had a nightmare last night. And Anakin's Jedi like, Jedi don't have nightmares. Why? <laughs> Why don't Jedi have nightmares? You yeah, need to tell us this. You can't just because that's not like attachments or anything. No, I guess it's just like a gut reaction. Like I don't have nightmares. I'm a Jedi. Like, I'm too cool like, for that. It's a it's a it's a thing that you can talk it and you can make it part of the Jedi lore that they don't have nightmares. Yeah, but I think that was just to, his like teenage reaction. Or but you need to give a reason for it. Why don't Jedi have nightmares? And they clearly do have nightmares yeah. because people can sense the dark future ish. 
all the time. Mm. It's not an uncommon Jedi ability. It's not Anakin's most certainly not the first person to do it. The future is. Yeah. Um, so that always bothered me. I and, agree. Um, yeah, that, was, that was a bit strange. Something that is cool because right after the scene, you get the chase between Obi Wan and Jango Fett through the Geonosis asteroid field. Yeah. Now this is cool. And the main reason it's cool Sound is those seismic charges. Goodness gracious. Holy those, God. Those seismic charges. The sound design is just like an explosion of perfection in your ears. It is so good. Skywalker sound really outdid themselves. I know, it's awesome. Because, no, what I love is that, that they, they float out into space. Yeah. And then there's that moment of complete silence. Exactly. And they, they, they explode and then they condense again and it yeah. just goes... Yeah, it's like a delay. Like it's like it breaks the sound barrier. It's like yeah, the silence beforehand. It's and the awesome. Twang. Yeah. Ah, and very you know what, good. You know what else I thought? Yep. Uh, it sort of set up. I never actually noticed this before, and it's a very deep thing that actually follows on throughout trilogies. Mm-hmm. Is um, did Boba Fett know why they couldn't find the Millennium Falcon when it disappeared in Empire? Because Obi-Wan did the same trick oh in this scene. Oh my god. You never thought yeah. of that, did you? Yeah, release the like the bits off, I guess, and then it's slightly different because they with the, like the rubbish from the Star Destroyer, they drifted in in Yeah, because but they also stuck yeah. to the the Star That's Destroyer true. and yeah. turned the power off. That's true. That's yep. exact it's exactly what Obi-Wan did. He landed on the Star Destroyer. Boba Fett, he pays attention to these. He things. landed on the asteroid field. And then turned off the ship. I love those little details where, like, it's something that was not necessarily unexplored, but was just hinted at or was just an idea in the original trilogy that, like, either is brought up in Clone Wars or prequels or a sequel trilogy or whatever. Yeah. That, like, is just a little explanation. There's so much fun when These you These things those. that you need to figure out for yourself yeah. upon, upon rewatch exactly. are those cool are so things. Fun. And it's something we needed more of in these prequels. Sure. Other than people Yeah, that's just, the point of a prequel. Other than people just telling us something with bad dialogue. Yeah. But anyway, uh, moving on, because we're getting into the nitty-gritty of the yes. film now. Um, going back to the Lars Homestead... Have we got to the part with the clones attack yet? No. <laughs> going back to the Lars Homestead on uh, when they reach Tatooine. Kleeg! Kleeg Lars! Kleeg Lars, well played. Played a well-known Australian actor. Yeah. Um, oh, what's his name? Not sure, hang on. But anyway, uh, something that I... Like I, like I said, the, clip, the seeing this homestead is cool because it ties back to A New Hope. But Jack in- Thompson. Jack Thompson, thank you. But this entire time, Anakin is meant to be evoking a great sense of fear yeah. for the fact that his mother might be gone. Yeah. But in several instances, including the faces he makes while Kleeg is talking, because he makes... Because, yeah. like, honestly, I'm not sure, again... Really, if it was like, ha- passive-aggressive. I'm really not sure if it's if it's Christensen's acting or George Lucas's direction, but it yeah. makes it look like he's not as much afraid or sad as he is, like, he's got an itch he can't scratch yeah, or something. It's just, like, kind of on edge the whole time. Yeah, because it comes off less like he's afraid, but awkwardly disturbed. Yeah. Because now I can understand why this may be in in that George Lucas directed Christensen to not act that way because Anakin himself knows that fear is something that a Jedi shouldn't feel. Yeah. And the fact that that is happening, he yeah. is feeling fear, bothers him and causes him to react in that way. I so guess. if that's what they're trying to do, sure. credit, you know, you know, kudos to Lucas and Christensen. But yeah. if they weren't trying to do that, then eh, it doesn't work so well. But I feel that that should have been shown a bit more eloquently let's just, let's just assume if that do. is what they were trying to For do. Sure. 
And, and something else that works kind of cool, it's only like a small tidbit, yeah. where Padme comes out to Anakin, who's looking at the sunset, and you mm. see their shadows on the Lars homestead. Yeah. Because of the way that Anakin holds his like you know hair and the way it's made, yeah. his shadow makes it sort of look like the Vader mask, yeah, yeah. which is an interesting little thing. Was there something like that in The Phantom Menace as well? Or? It's it's actually what they did for the poster. Yeah. They have Anakin's uh, yeah, they have Anakin's shadow up against uh, like a Tatooine wall, yeah, yeah. and it's Vader's shadow, which I is kind of cool. That's not in the actual film. Though. No, it's not in the actual film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's. I feel cool, like, I guess. Uh, yeah, if we're going to talk about the uh, the sand people, the um... yeah, yeah, we're going to get into that now okay. because something that happens while they're going, uh, while Anakin is making the journey across the Dune Sea, he meets the Jawas and then he finds where the sand people are. Uh, Jewel of the Fates plays. Yeah. Yeah, and not only is it great to hear Jewel of the Fates, but it's also a good thematic touch because. Yep. Anakin himself is going through a duel of two fates here. Yeah. So, like, you know, whether he's going to be, uh, uh, you know, consumed by the attachment for his mother, which he knows is not the right thing to do in in regards to what yeah. the Jedi think, or if he is he going to be himself. So, I think that works well. And obviously, duel of fates is just a great yeah, thing great. to hear as as is. But. Yeah, like there's a hint towards like the whole like um, conflict in his like in in his views of the Force and stuff. But I don't know. It's, it's kind of strange. Oh, he goes. He goes psycho. He, no, and like, sure, like he kills the sand people, like in Revenge of His Mother. But he makes it explicitly clear, especially when talking to Padme. That we'll get he, into that scene now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That he like kills the women and the children too, and then like, he's, like, like very clearly explains this to Padme, and she just like com- comforts him, saying like, "We all get angry." To be no, no, no. This, this is a murderer. <laughs> How did you fall for him after he said that? I know. He's like. like she you, said they're all shocked by him killing the younglings in in Revenge of the Sith. He killed younglings and women in this film as well, alongside <laughs> the other sand people. I guess they just don't view sand people as the same as humans. I don't know because it's insane. He says, he's a murderer. I hate them, and then oh. he and he and he crouches down. The Imperial March plays for the first time in the yeah. prequels, and then Padme goes. To be angry is to be human. No! No, it's not, no, no, not no, no, like no, that. No. Not like that. No, uh, because this guy has actually just committed mass murder. Goodness. The right response is, eh, to be angry is to be human. Yeah. No, get on your ship and fly as yeah, far right away as you can. Is, Hi, this has been fun. I'm just gonna, you know, I'm just going to leave right now. Look, you can stay with your uh, step, step brothers, but I'm just, you know, and then just run. You know what, this remind, you know what this reminds me of? The How It Should Have Ended for Attack of the Clones oh, yeah? by Ahishi. I love that YouTube channel mm-hmm. because there's a part where he does that. He goes, I hate them. I killed them all. And then Padme's like, okay, I I left something on my ship. I'll be right back. Yeah. And she flies away. And with r 2 and she's like, I mean, nobody would stay in yeah. a, with a guy like that, right? Yes. Uh, no, you had twins with him. <laughs> oh, boy. So, so yeah, that I did, was an unpleasant scene. The main I'm thing like, that I like about the scene, the one thing I like about the scene, yep. is the fact that you hear the Imperial March. That's cool. Yeah, that was good. The That's rest good. of the scene is horrible. Yeah. Um, because it, like it's trying to build him as a villain, but it just did it the wrong way. Yeah, because it builds up the whole thing about like you know he he thinks it's all Obi Wan's fault. Yeah. All right, which is fine uh, if he wants to think that. That's okay. But again, it negates the he was a good friend thing that they yeah. need to make sure they've set up. Yeah. Because you don't need to make it... Like, making Anakin the bad guy in this scene is is enough. You don't need to make it so that he blames Obi-Wan. Yeah. Alright? That first half 
is more than enough, all right? You don't need to drag Obi-Wan into it because it negates the whole he was a good friend thing that you're trying and you should be setting up. Yeah, it's like in Attack of the Clones, he's like really angry at Obi-Wan and then in Revenge of the Sith, they get angry at him again. But it's like in the Clone Wars, suddenly they're all like friendly and happy again. It's like a weird like dip, like uh, like a incoherent part between both of the films that is like different in Clone Wars. So yeah, I I guess. It doesn't quite feel like a natural arc. I, I sometimes have a problem of connecting Clone Wars Anakin to Hayden Christensen Anakin. Like, they sometimes feel like very different characters. Every so often, like, they can... I believe so, yeah. But they... Now, um... Like, Obi-Wan's fine. Like, Padme's fine. All the rest of them, like, work well. But, like, yeah. I don't know. There is only other... There is another one great line that works, and it comes right at the end of this scene, when Anakin says, I'm a Jedi, I know I'm better than this. Alright? That line is great. Yeah, that was good. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Michael's, he- Michael's just underlined a dot point <laughs> that we're about to get to. I'm so excited for that. That is just the best, and we're going to get to it soon. You just stay tuned. Um, <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, but first, I wanted to get into Count Dooku. Yeah. Because Count, you, you, you've seen him for the first time mm-hmm. in this movie, and the first real scene you see him in is when he has that discussion with Obi-Wan. Yes. Now... He presents an interesting dichotomy, I think, because he makes his first appearance an hour and 15 minutes into the second film. Yeah. Now, Christopher Lee is outstanding. I love Christopher Lee. And the look of the character is also cool. Uh, Yeah. But from a filmic context, his introduction, like Padme's feelings for Anakin, feels very rushed. Yeah. Because as a Sith Lord and apprentice to Darth bloody Sidious, Mm. you cannot afford to have him be introduced halfway through the second movie. If you want to, int- if you want the audience to be invested in this character from second number one, then you need to, I don't know, have him appear in Phantom Menace at least for a little bit. Like, yeah, have, like I, yeah, he's like hinted in this film. He's never mentioned in the first one. Yeah, I think he didn't need to be a key player in the Phantom yeah, Menace's if, if story. If he was a Jedi, that'd be interesting. But at least show his ascension to the dark at the very least. I think I think it would be interesting to like see him as a, yeah. Certainly, if they had shown him as a Jedi and then like mentioned or like shown him like leaving or something, that could have been interesting. Maybe it's, like, tied into the idea that there were, like, major script or story rewrites after The Phantom Menace and, like, kind of course correction type thing. Yeah. Because, it, like... It, it, also make, it, would, it also would have made Windu's... He couldn't assassinate anyone. It's yeah, not his character. It would make more sense. It would have given it a little bit more oomph. Exactly. Because like, we would have seen you it. Want, you want the context of inside the film to tell you that, not outside information. As much as we love outside information, as a film, it, does, it, yeah. it fails if it doesn't convey that. You know what I noticed... Uh, the next scene, obviously, is uh, Shmi's funeral after she yes. dies. Uh, Anakin's, uh, Anakin's, like you know, he says like you know I wasn't strong enough, but I won't fail again. Yada yada. Yeah. And then you know, right after, after you do interrupts with Obi Wan's transmission, and they get and then they get going, mm. and then he starts smiling and, and banteringly flirting with Padme again. I'm like, you got over your mother's oh. death very quickly, and not Shmi. only that, not only that, they also steal C three PO. Yeah, that's fun. They. Clean, clean. Because the whole point is he's like one of his earliest jobs was convert, like talking to binary converters. Yeah, binary load uh, lifters. Yeah, in uh, yeah on uh, on moisture farms. So clearly he worked on the farm helping them. Kleeg does. Kleeg only has one leg. He needs a droid to help him, and you stole the droid. Because yeah, droids are expensive. The whole point of like the start of a new hope is they're buying a new droid, and like they only do it every so often. The whole reason that see that C three PO was such a bargain for them was yeah. because Anakin built him himself. Yeah, and he said he was for his mother. He yeah. said he's a protocol droid to help. help mom. I guess that like he just. And you're like, mum's dead. She's like, well, I'm going to take this droid I want. I don't care about but my also other in the family. Conte- but also, in the context of the movie, there is no reason why they should be bringing C-3PO with them anyway. Yeah, he's just a protocol he's just, droid. He's just, they, they bring him... 
obviously the story needs him to be there because he's bloody C-3PO. Yeah. But you should give a reason for him coming with him. Also, it's weird because... Alright, so the idea is like he made Anakin, so he brings C-3PO along for sentimental reasons. But Anakin... Hang on. So R2-D2 starts with Padme at the start of this film. Yes. By the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith, it swaps. C-3PO is regularly with Padme and R2-D2 is regularly with Anakin. Yeah. They just swap droids. <laughs> well, because another thing that I noticed is like, you know, if you wanted to tie it into a reason why C-3PO is there, yeah. how cool would it have been? Or like a nice little story thing and it would have made you relate with Kleeg and like Owen and Beru a little yeah. bit better is if Kleeg was like, here, take C-3PO, uh, yeah. take, take 3PO with you. I want you to have a piece of your mother or something yeah. like that. Because or like give it as a gift to Padme, who's like an actual like interpreter who needs an interpreter droid or whatever. Exactly. Like something like that would have been a nice touch, but instead you just have C-3PO there because he just shows up. Yeah, exactly. And the only yeah, reason C-3PO is he... weird in this film. He is. We can get to like problems later on, but I feel like this is by far his weakest appearance. Like Phantom Menace, he's just funny because he's just like a little skeleton or whatever. Well, we can get into it now because we get to the droid yeah. foundry part. Ugh. Oh god, this is. Oh, Did they have the video game in mind when they made this scene? Because I... this scene is literally a video game. I. The scene's bad. CGI C-3PO, like not just like just like like not just in certain things. But just like bumbling around, like the the way he's animated, it's just wrong. Well, that's another it's thing. It's so is that bad. It showed in this. It showed in this scene yeah. that they started to reveal that they have a fundamental misunderstanding of C three PO. Yeah. Because the get because the good thing about C three PO in the original trilogy mm. wasn't the physicality of him. No. It was the way he spoke and his his near sighted yeah. uh, uh, purity. Is like oh, I, yes. I'm almost afraid to ask, but does that include shutting me down too? And yeah. like those funny little things that make him likable because he's so unaware of everything that's exactly. happening. Exactly. And that was what made him a nice, funny character. But the idea that they apparently had in this movie was in order to make C-3PO funny, yeah. you need to have him be yeah, thrown around a factory. You and need to have weird, like, um, context-specific puns. You need to have his like I head beside at... myself. Oh, we'll get to that because yeah. we're going to get into the Geonosis battle in a minute, yeah. but. The, you know, putting his head on a battle droid and putting his body on a battle droid's head, it, it's so stupid. Right. But, like, also, some of the CGI, there's a lot of CGI in this film. It's probably the film with the most CGI in all of them. Definitely. Except maybe the sequels where they even use more, but it looks better. Um, but this film relies on it heavily. But most of the time, it's fine. Like, the backgrounds, they generally look good. The Geonosians, I think, look good. Even the battle droids generally look good. But the CGI C-3PO is the probably the worst CGI in Star Wars, in my opinion. Absolutely. It's so bad. Uh, now, okay, there's, yeah. we're going to get into one more thing and then we're going to get into the Geonosis fight, yeah. okay, which is, we have some thoughts about that. But um, getting back to Jar Jar for a minute, and we cut yes. back to the Senate, I'm going to say two words, Michael, two beautiful words. <laughs> Dello Felicates. Because <laughs> he, in, 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 Felicates. instead of saying fellow delegates like any normal script would, he's like, Dello Felicates, okay. Misa proposed that the Senate. Wait, and the, more and more humility. <laughs> uh, so basically what happens is Ooh. he gives Ch uh, Chancellor Palpatine... He, vote. He, he proposes a vote, yeah. Yeah, he and then obviously it's agreed to, but Jar Jar's yeah. the one who put it on the floor. Exactly. He gives emergency power to Palpatine, which not only instigates the creation of the clone army, yeah. but also gives Palpatine the power to do everything that he does in Revenge of the Sith, yeah. which leads to the ascension of the Empire. Exactly. So, just saying... It's all Jar Jar's fault. Was... The entirety of the original trilogy, Jar Jar's fault. Yes. 
Yes. And they mention, like, in, like, a books and stuff after the fact, it's very clear, like, Jar Jar is held responsible a lot of the time for, like, the Empire's creation or things. Yeah. It's just funny, though, because, like, yeah, he's he's put in charge of representing Naboo while Padme's away, and, like, normally you expect, oh, okay, what's going to happen? He's just going to vote on the bill to create the clone army or whatever. Not, and, like, what's the worst that can happen putting Jar Jar in charge? Uh, in charge. He but, does ex- he does exactly what you didn't want yeah, him to the do. The worst thing you could do is not only would he not he did not vote for this the way that she wanted him to. She gives the person executive power, ruining democracy. I know because the main reason that Padme didn't want to leave Coruscant in yeah. the first act of the movie is yeah. she says to Anakin, "I haven't worked for a year to f- to, cr- to to defeat the Military Creation Act exactly. to not be here when its fate is decided." I know. Okay. She so she clearly wants him to vote against it. She clearly wants him to vote against it. She doesn't want this army to happen because that'll just create more war. She wants peace, yeah. and that is really expanded upon. She's not aggressive negotiations. Exactly. But what does Jar Jar do? He does exactly... He sidesteps um, democracy altogether. He does not... Not only does he not vote against the bill, he gives the powers to the person who can just put it in without a vote in the first place. Yeah, also, have you noticed that Jar Jar's nowhere to be found in the Senate in Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, because he was clearly fired. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Was he... Was he still a representative in the Clone Wars? Oh, that's true. He's still Representative Binks in the Clone That's Wars. fair enough. So, I don't know if he was fired. He okay, have, yeah, my mistake. That's he may have just true. resigned. Because he only shows up once in... Uh, actually, no, twice in Revenge of the Sith. He's in the background when Chancellor yeah, the... Palpatine r- arrives back to uh, the Senate building. Oh, when, he, when, when, he's he, talk, when he's talking he's, to Mace Windu. Okay, but he probably was a Senate of a representative then. Probably. And he's in the end for Padme's funeral. Exactly, but that's it. yeah. So he's uh, not even less. Okay, but now, I, I think so, yeah. now we're going to get into the Geonosis fight. Mm-hmm. Because right after the Senate meeting, yes. uh, Mace Windu says... I will take what Jedi we have left and go to Geonosis to help Obi-Wan and Yoda goes to Kamino to get the clone army, whatever. So, not only do you get the I truly, deeply love you part, oh which is... God. Oh, boy. Uh, I thought we weren't going to do this. Well, we're about to die, so screw it. <laughs> that's, exact, that's basically exactly what happens. That's uh, one way to commit to a marriage. Yeah. Now, something that I've never understood. Yep. Uh, does Mace Windu realise how many Jedi he took to Geonosis to yeah. save one? Yeah. Because, do you know how many Jedi he took to Geonosis with him? Yeah, it was like 50 or something? 212. What? 212 Jedi went to Geonosis. How many die? 182. What the heck? What? 30 Jedi survived the battle. I looked this up. I'm not, this is not like... Yeah. I looked this up. 30 Jedi survived the battle. And he was willing to let them die as well, because he's like, we will not be your pawns to be bargained over or whatever, so he just lets the other ones die as well, if not Yoda was there. Mace Windu let 182 Jedi die to save one. Obviously, Anakin showed up later, but he didn't know Anakin was there. He's an Obi-Wan fanboy, apparently. Oh, that's so bizarre. I know, seriously. I guess a Jedi dying in battle is better than a Jedi dying executed? Yes, but, um... There is one. So there, weird. there is one Jedi, yep. one particular oh. Jedi that stands out above the rest in the Battle of Geonosis. Michael, take it, please. Dude, when you got, you got Master Coleman Trebber. This is the true unsung hero. He was that close to killing uh, Count Dooku if it wasn't for Jango Fett's quick uh, gun skills. He strikes his lightsaber up, yeah. and Jango Fett just kills him. I mean, but brutal like, death. But it's like... a brutal death. He shoots him like six times, then he falls to his death. Ooh, but... is that the best? Is that the most like badass way Jedi's gone out? Just like kind of like being shot and like falling down. Probably, I, I guess. I don't Ooh, know. I mean, there are some pretty good ones. I don't know, but yeah. Was, I've also also liked that little moment. That it, it's also why he's one of my favorite Jedi. Mm. Uh, Kit Fisto. Oh yeah. When he forces C-3PO battle droid to the bottom, his smile is the best. <laughs> so cute. Seriously. 
Because he's... Yeah. Uh, it's, I just love Kit Fisto because not only does yeah. he got... He's got, like, tentacle dreadlocks, which yeah. is awesome, but, yeah. They're, they're anyway. Um, and, yeah. There's some be, really cool Jedi. You brought things. this up earlier. Yes. These... Stupid attempts <laughs> yes. at humour with C-3PO. Oh, there's so, there's so many of them. When, when R2-D2 rips his head off yep. the battle droid and he drags him towards yeah. his body, he's like, oh, now where are you taking me? Oh, this is such a drag. Such a drag. I feel quite beside myself. Yeah, because he, 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 um, he, uh, he, he gets him back to his body yep. to the point where his head is laying beside his body. Yeah, so he says, oh, I am quite beside myself. Yes. <laughs> but I'm... Yes. Oh, uh, there's like another one as well. It's just... Is it, is it it's when I'm... so forced. It's like, he never makes puns in any other film. It's just this one. Like, C-3PO is funny, but it's a... It's, as you were saying, it's a different reason why he's funny. It's a different kind of funny. It's a very C- different kind of C-3PO funny. C-3PO is... They did C-3PO bad in this film. This C- is probably the wor- worst fi- fi- Oh, it's, it's, it's his worst appearance by, by far. far. It's atrocious. Like, say what... Like, even in his small parts in Rise of Skywalker, he works yeah. in the way that C-3PO is supposed to work. Yeah, he is actually a major part in Rise of Skywalker. He is. We'll get to that. In, atta- in Attack of the Clones, though, yeah. th- there's that part where he puts his head back on and he's yeah. like, oh, is my head on straight? Like, yeah. oh, for God's sake. And he wakes, uh, he, he he sits up once the battle is Die, can I die? <laughs> I had the most peculiar dream. God, yes. Um, uh. Now, Dooku vs. Obi-Wan and Anakin and Yoda, mm. they're, all, they're all pretty weak. It's weird. Mainly just because of the fact that this lightsaber duel or all three of them if you want to yeah. count them as all as, as three different ones yeah. they are all incredibly over choreographed uh, yeah it's I like the force bits beforehand it just feels so strange like they're like this is the limit of the force it feels so restrictive like oh yeah what you can you do with the force you can force push like a couple of things that are hanging on the walls of them or you can remove a tiny part of the roof like, the part of the roof that he takes down and launches on Yoda is, like, nothing. He, like, force pushes that away so completely. And Yoda's, like, grown powerful, you have. Like, what? All he did was float, like, a yeah, pipe to you. It's so weak. And so that was interesting. And then the lightsaber parts, as you were saying, over-choreographed, there are just some parts of it which just feel so stunted. And that might be just because of, like, Christopher Lee was very old and so they had to, like, cut to, like, stunt doubles in between. A stunt double with, like, yeah. Christopher Lee's head CGI'd yeah, on top. and then a couple things like that. But it just... Yeah, this lightsaber fight is probably the weak... Certainly of the prequels, it's definitely the weakest lightsaber fight. It's something that you're, like, uh, probably in the gap between the original trilogy and the prequels. We're just yep. like, oh, you know what we've never seen? Something you always thought you wanted to yeah. see? But realised how... If he it was, yeah, that's Yoda with a lightsaber. Yeah, it's yeah. I just don't think it works. Like, I mean, now it's just accepted, and so it works. And they've done it better in certain things, like in Clone Wars. I think it's fun, and in Revenge of the Sith, it's even a little bit better. But in this, it's just poor. I personally just think Yoda is as a Jedi. He would have been so much more interesting if he's just such a powerful Force wielder. I know. He need to use like like Palpatine doesn't like using. Uh, lightsabers because he's just so powerful in the force he uses that instead it's just weird why couldn't Yoda be more like that yeah Yoda like I feel like you see him use really cool power force energy and I feel like it would just been more interesting and more exciting you know what would have made it would have made Yoda so much cooler yeah if you know say what you will about you know Count Dooku ripping pipes out of the wall and throwing that to Yoda that's Bad as it is, she talks about in the. But imagine if Yoda size matters not. But imagine if Yoda was like staring Dooku down the entire time. He didn't even move. Yeah, and and it just levitates there and goes off of him. Like if yeah, yeah, that would have been so much. But instead, he's like really trying. He puts so much effort into list these tiny things. I thought size doesn't matter. Your master Yoda, this shouldn't be a problem. And but the giant pillar, it's too difficult for him. But like I cannot, you could say that. But I think it also. 
again, this is if this is what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. But it sort of ties into the fact that, like, you know, uh, throughout this entire movie... The Force is weakened. The Force is weakened for yeah, the Jedi, that, which is yeah, why Yoda sense. can't use it properly. So if you wanted to use it like that, then sure. But, yeah, anyway. Well, that basically brings us to the end of the movie because the, la the last scene basically is the... You yeah. know what is a great scene? Yes. It's probably my favourite scene and shot in the movie. Ooh, it's, I think I know what you're talking about. It's the Clone War Army. It's the Clone Army. It's, it's the shot of the Clone Army when they're all... No, that's the Resistance theme. Uh, no, the... Is it? Okay, well, I'm completely wrong. No, the best part is that the Imperial March plays instead. Yes, because, that's right. Because uh, Chancellor Palpatine is looking over what he has instigated. Yep. <laughs> and it's the perfect... The that Clone Wars has. It's the perfect analogy for Palpatine as a character himself. Yeah. So I feel like that was a very, very subtle way of... Again, yeah, these these subtle bits of storytelling... Yeah, there's a couple of them in there. ...are there. I, it, it shows that George Lucas is able to write in this way. Yeah, he's, he's good at setting up the overall plot, but just this as a film on its own is just so much weaker. These these little bits, these, these scenes like that, are examples that George Lucas knows how to write in this really good, subtle, proper way. Mm. But there are so many... Way, so there's so many uh, instances in the movie where he doesn't do that yep. that it gets really annoying the inconsistency of it definitely I think I, I do actually quite like the scenes with uh, Count Dooku when he's like in his sol uh, solar sailor and then like he goes to that's Coruscant awesome and he's like encounters Palpatine he's got the hood over and he's like everything has gone according to plan that's cool yeah you're the clone wars and uh, you know that scene happens Anakin and Padme get married with oh. the love across the stars theme which yeah. is again iffy because he's now good got a metal music, hand but and just weird good music it was a weird way to end the movie and that's how we're going to end our discussion too so yeah, yeah. Um, that was uh, Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones review it was indeed now uh, Ooh, we have to rank it um, I mean we've basically already said it but yeah as, as current Skywalker Saga ranking it's in last place. Number one, Phantom Menace. Number, number one, two, Phantom. Attack of the Clones. I doubt that it's gonna. Uh, I doubt that it's gonna leave the last place for. Unfortunately, quite a while. I think it's gonna keep going down. I don't. Yeah. I mean, look, we'll see as we go later on. But I don't. I don't know if we just quite dislike any of the other ones enough to bring it down. <laughs> yeah, but the good thing is that uh, next time mm -hmm. we get to talk about Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, which I think is hopefully, from what I remember, is is like a good breath of fresh air, like newer, actually quite like enjoyable and actually legitimately good prequel content. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's for next time. Definitely. Now, other than that, that brings the episode of... Uh, this brings uh, the, the podcast episode to a close. Yeah. So, uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. We are always very appreciative that you guys decide to listen to us. The time codes for our three mini discussions that we've had today yep. will be available in the description of both the of both the podcast feeds and the YouTube version of this episode. Mm. Um, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. I always love naming them off. Yeah. <laughs> um, Don't forget now this is podcasting. Yes, uh, we, I, we will be. We are. We are available on every one of those podcast platforms yes. as of twelve p.m. AEST every Sunday. As, of, uh, as for YouTube, we are available at the very same time the next day, so yes. on the Monday. Um, other than that, we are also available on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Mm. Make sure to follow us there at Telling the Odds, because yeah. uh, you'll get updates as to what we're doing in the next episode, and we post every thumbnail to get you guys get excited. You guys excited for it. With a link as well. Hints towards what's coming up. Make oh. sure to rate us, yeah. uh, comment, and, uh, and, and subscribe. Definitely. So that's about it in terms of the uh, window dressing for the podcast yeah. and the main topics. Thank so, you so much for listening, everyone. Yeah, I, I feel like we've had a good discussion today. And, yeah, I uh, think that we've... 
like it, it flowed well, well. It's definitely a weaker film in my opinion. I think our discussion was still stayed like was important, and like I thought we like dealt with some good ideas in the film, and so I think know, so too. Yeah. Uh, for next week, I really don't know what we'll be doing next week. Yeah, so unless something major happens, I assume Revenge of the Sith. We can't give you a preview, but uh, for for now, that's all we have to share with you guys. Thank you again for listening. This has been Tell Telling the Odds.